You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 11, episode 39, and the first of 2022. So, uh, everyone will be pleased to know we're not doing a quest tonight. I listened to the quiz. It was different, wasn't it? Alternative, aye. It's di- di- different, different, so interesting word for set up. You're talking about it was, if it was a set up, but I was worried about it. I was worried about it right from the start, that one. So, how was it a set up? <laughs> you still raise it to us, I don't know, man. Uh, see that uh, question about the milk, 12 maids of milking and all that? <laughs> I don't know. Raging, raging. That, see, to be fair, maybe on hindsight, if it had been a draw, that's more a tiebreaker question. But you, to be fair, I got asked it myself at a quiz, and I did similar maths to you. To be honest, the maths you did, I think you got it wrong based on the maths we were trying to do. Uh, but aye, by the by, Scott, how you doing? Prize winner, quiz winner. I mean, Scott did well in the end. Uh, it was a a yo-yo type quiz for us, but considering the type of quiz it was, I don't think that can surprise anybody. Uh, but no, I'm good. Good to be back for a new year. Aye, new year. New year, new boss and all that. Sorry? New year, new boss. <laughs> I didn't realise that was a thing, but yeah, on yourself. Aye, well, get out early. Aye, we'll save the banner for the, the ad. We'll save the banner for the ad. So Josh, you're good as well, apart from being raging about the quiz. Still, ah, no, nah, good, uh, good mate. Um, oh, yeah, oh, 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 really good. Um, there's not really a lot to kind of, um, uh, not really a lot to discuss about the football well, in terms of being at the football because not a lot of us have been at the regular football, um, over the past few weeks. Um, but I've been going to some junior games, uh, and it's been pretty good. Um, went to a good three zip spanking of Rutherglen at the weekend, um, which was pretty good. Um, I had a nice, uh, didn't, have a, didn't actually have a pie the weekend. I had a sausage roll, and it was oh, quite nice. At Me- at Meadow. Uh, Meadow, it was quite I nice. I like the sausage rolls. I go sausage roll mm-hmm. pie at Meadow because they're, they're like good. They look good. It was good sausage rolls. I, it was it was first, first time I had a sausage roll, actually. I'm, I'm not keen on them, but I had one on Saturday. It was nice. Uh, um, three now one. Can I say more than that? I could just out. Could just out. I've seen, uh, I take it big Sean was they playing? Because I've seen him posting from the sidelines. No, he was, he was injured. Uh, he was injured. It was good. Uh, Graham Boyd started up top. Now, this is a player that's been uh, out injured for basically two years, or th- maybe three years, actually. Um, but he's he's kind of stuck at the club, and the club have kind of kept him on and supported him up, supported him up a bit. And he's attempts to get back, uh, which is pretty uncommon in junior football. You know, if someone's off for that long, then normally they'll just go on their way and, and then get back into football if they get fit at some point in down the future. Uh, but he came back and scored the goal uh, and was man of the match on Saturday. So it was a really um, it was a really um, kind of nice touch. That's the type of stories you want to hear, especially as you mm-hmm. say in the junior level. I know it's. We still call it that for a while, let's face it. Aye. Aye, it is more difficult because you're not going to get the best medical treatment because these guys are part-time. So fair play to Meadow for sticking by him. Uh, and we are playing each other on Saturday. Yes, I'll and I'll know, be, 
I'll not be there. Oh, no, mate. No. I've got a, I've got a wedding on Saturday. I've got a wedding Saturday, mate, because the, the fixture uh gets shifted, didn't it? I only realised last night when I messaged. Um because we were supposed <laughs> to be playing Borington <laughs> and it got changed because of the yep. the re- well, not the replay, the rescheduled fixture. Uh, region. I've got a wedding just no, about, maybe about five minutes away from the ground um, in the Riverside Hotel and it's my cousin so I can't really it's not, it's not really one that I can pass it on you know No, it's definitely a wedding it's not just a party just to get away from the Covid guidelines and all that because you'd have a wedding Is, how many folk? No, 500? I, more? no, I, no idea no, I know, it'll be 500 less than that no, but um, I don't know if it is. I, I don't know if it is. Is that not the thing about they wanted the old firm game? The Rangers were going to marry Celtic so they could get more than 500 in the Ibrox. I don't think. I, I, I wonder if think I can no... a wedding at Pataudry a week on Tuesday. See if we can figure that out. Who would you get married to? Andy Constein. He's married already. That's that's <laughs> you can't. That's bigamy. Um. Then Alan Russell. Is he married? No, I don't think so. I think he was. I think they're now separated. So you don't know. So basically, you're touting yourself here that you want to get married to Alan Russell. I would absolutely marry Alan Russell, yeah. Good thing is, for if it is Alan Russell, you've got a chauffeur, so you're fine with the driving because allegedly, allegedly. Um, Jeff, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, not, not too, not too bad. Jeff's not interested. Look at him; he's not interested in this podcast. Oh, right. No, no, I'll be honest. Right, so uh, <laughs> we're recording this. Was bit I'll get done over by Man United and the referee, probably. And uh, they've just had a goal that was perfectly legit disallowed for the most softest foul on the build-up you've ever seen. Genuinely softest, softest stuff. Stuff, soft, uh, soft. Softest politeness. No, other than that, I'm fine. No, uh, like been similar to Josh. At the, uh, I've been at junior game since we've been banned from going to senior games. We've got a lot of junior games. I went to St Ant's at the weekend and watched some genuinely world class free kick go in early in the second half. It's been quality. I'm a fairly fine at the weekend if anyone else is going. So yeah, I recommend everyone goes to a junior game because six quid. What more can you ask for? Was it a pie action for you? Some oh, there was. I, I there was, but to be honest, I, I got the pie. I don't know if anyone's. Ever Ever been to St Ants, but it's right oh. next to the motorway and it is incredibly, incredibly open to any type of weather ever. And about I went and got a pie for half time, and as I went and got the aforementioned pie, the, the rain absolutely hammered it in. I, it was <laughs> it was biblical, it was unreal. Uh but the good news was they had daddy's brown sauce, which you don't get in the football grounds these days, and daddy's brown sauce is the best. Of all your brown sauces available, that's your preference, right? So we need to get Big Daddy on the on the phone for the, right. the sponsorship. Not as tomato sauce. That's right. not as tomato sauce. That's crap. But the brown sauce is there. Right, okay. Actually, I had sausages and brown sauce earlier, which was good. I got sausage and brown sauce action. I had your sushi. I'm fancy these days. No sushi. <laughs> <laughs> Right. How many companies have we just mentioned? We've got yeah. our sponsors already, but we'll try and get more anyway. We like sponsorship. Right, we should move on to our guest then, eh? Um, what we usually like to do nowadays, actually, if we've got a guest on, is tell us a wee bit about yourself. So, Michael, how are you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I was wondering if I was on the wrong podcast there. <laughs> I thought it was know about pies and saucy rolls, but if you're looking for any sponsors for your podcast, I love fajitas, by the way. So if any fajitas companies that are listening, but I don't think they will be, but... Um, what, what do you mean? 
Old El Paso was on the block to me last week. Ah, well, I, yeah, yeah. You can't really have fajitas at the football. That's the problem, isn't it? It's quite a messy. Yeah. Exactly. Still, I, I don't, don't care. Let's let's actually let, let's ask the man to ask uh, Scott. Do they have fajitas uh, in football? <laughs> You're in the woods. <laughs> no, no, no. Not yet, Josh. Uh, they've not got rid of the trout or the smoked salmon yet. So until that happens, then you know. You know the boys who've been doing on Twitter are bringing like fooled dinners and Ibrox somehow. Yes, that's that's what I would like to see him do next. Fajitas. Well, I'd be very impressed with that. To be fair, with hot plates, so it has to be with like sizzling hot plates. It can't oh, just be. Oh. <laughs> no, making a fajita at home in a wrap, putting in a bit of tin foil, and bringing it out—that's not a fajita. No, no, no. It needs to be assembled on site. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't expect to just have a sizzling hot plate, but you, you can't make it at home. It needs to be assembled at see on a little tray thing. See, I've got a question right quickly. Should we just rebrand this Scottish Football Food Podcast? Would that be better? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, probably. And Michael, I don't know what you're saying about you've never, you think you're on the wrong podcast. We talk more about food than football. Brilliant. These days. Yeah. So if you like your food, you're in the right place. I'm here every week then. <laughs> it doesn't let you down, does it? And the good thing is, like, John, actually, I've got a question to ask the guys before we get into the football. Uh, just thinking, I'm just looking at this, all my snacks that I've got here, and thinking about Christmas that's passed. What's everyone's? What is everyone's top top chocolate gift? Because I'm looking, I'm looking at one of these, right? And that's what I've got right oh, now. Right, okay. It's my no, favourite thing to get. It is a big Toblerone. Absolutely not. Every year, these for me. Have I missed the memo here? Right? Eminem, so, did you tell everyone like just have chocolate snacks? Yeah, I'm it's just... like it's like oh. what is it at school? Show and tell. Bring your yeah. chocolates. These are M and S. A whole cherry soaked in liqueur and covered in rich dark chocolate. Ten out of ten. Every year, Santa brings me those, and they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Well, I think. What was that, Josh? I think the next podcast will be sponsored by Marks and Spencers as well. Oh, good job. They're doing well. I will take him in this. We'll take that. I would love that. Uh, Scott, I know it's Josh's question, but what's your uh, chocolate treat at Christmas? Well, being diabetic, I then have a lot. Um, But the the chocolate coins from Marks and Spencers always (laughs) seem to make it into the the stocking. So, How much were they? I don't know. Santa brought them. You talk about how much really? Aye, but if it's coins, you'll be able to tell because it tells you on the coin how much it is. No? Uh, too busy eating them, wasn't it? Too busy eating them. Too busy scoffing them. If yeah. you're diabetic, does that mean that you can't have some chocolate? You just have to monitor it, though. Yeah, you're, you, you probably have a wee bit extra insulin and stuff like that. But I would wouldn't go fully on my. Uh, lifestyle um, if you're wanting to be a good diabetic it's, I would probably uh, the cheese for me at Christmas not the chocolate the array of cheese brilliant right and uh, that's ideal for a diabetic I'm no chocolate person uh, cheese now you're talking black bomber cheese you tried black bomber any of you mm-hmm. lovely it's it's it, I got see what I don't so I don't like chocolate as I've said so advent calendars I don't get a chocolate one I get pork scratching actually if I got it here no I got a pork scratching calendar which was is good um, but but is, it, is, it, is it one just this, a, a pork scratching of the same flavour and oh, same that's company? Flavors. That sounds the bollocks. Different oh, flavours. I just like the same basic flavour of pork scratching. Aye, I like my body weight. <laughs> I have pork. Pork ones, proper pork. Aye. No, there is maple, honey, you know, uh, salted. But I am more a, a pork scratching person. 
that Black Bomber tees MNS sell that by the way, so that'll do. Michael, yeah, a chocolate person. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, white chocolate's my kind of downfall. Actually, a big milky bar would be would be brilliant for me. Nice, nice and healthy, John. You know. Aye, everything in moderation, isn't it? Go back to the Tobler Road, Josh. Why would you get a <laughs> chocolate bar that fights back? I don't understand. <laughs> Every time I've bitten into a Tobler Road, it's hit the roof of my mouth. It's just, it's just. I don't. I think they're gimmicky. I don't really get them. Like, well, do I, you, I mean, do you know that way uh, when you like? I mean, you, if Scott McGill was here, he would be able to back me up, right? But when you when 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 you're a musician, right? If you play like the guitar, right? Eventually, you develop calluses on your fingers, right? They're good pads, and 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 it becomes easier to play the frets on a guitar, right? And essentially, I've eaten that much Toblerone that what's happening in my mouth is that is that it's become it's adjusted to the roughness of Toblerone, um, and uh, and I'm just looking forward to getting my next one. How did you get that though? If I'm allowed to fly, because I always you only get Toblerone at airports, don't you? Three for a tenner on the way home. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, mate. It's just uh, Santa brought it. Was brought Santa. Me and it was it was magic, eh? Well, Santa was flying, so Santa he's obviously maybe got through duty. Aye, Santa's, Santa's international. Toblerone is not in my top five. I was, I was just going to ask Josh, did uh, Santa have his mask on this year, or did he, did he not have his mask on? No. Well, he, well, he, he did. He did, Michael. But, but um, how did you see but, him? Ah, yeah, that well, obviously we put the old uh, reindeer food and all that. Uh, ah, but you should be sleeping. You should be sleeping until uh, Santa comes. Uh, I was peeking, you know. Uh, oh. But uh, I had mm. the white, white, white one on. Mm. That was his beard, I think. Uh, well, should we talk about football? Shall we? I'll just stick to the yes, please. Right, okay. Uh, managerial changes. There's been a few. We've not covered Sean Maloney yet, have we? It was speculated. But uh, is, is Michael, have we introduced Michael yet? We did, but Michael, I don't really give us an introduction because somebody yeah. fired in a, a message about chocolate. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that was my fault, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, Michael, sorry. So, I'm, I'm a chef. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm one of the kids, Um Yeah, so like, I'm a kind of like a disability campaigner, but I'm also a freelance journalist as well. Um, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> You've got your own website, don't do yourself. Simple. Don't be modest. Yeah. Your website, yeah. I, I've had a scan of it, I like to do a bit of research. Now, I, I couldn't do all the research because it's very the most detailed website I've seen actually by anybody, I think, which is a, a credit to you. Yeah, well, thanks very much. Yeah, um, the website's a bit out of day at the moment, um, but obviously I'll kind of update it one of these kind of years. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been quite busy over the years, working with um, the rights of uh, BBC, STV and, and all that, and uh, I do a lot of writing work as well. So yeah, that, that's basically what I'm all about, and uh, I, I love football. And I love food. That's what I'm here for oh. to talk about the food and the pies and the sausage rolls. But no, I mean seriously. Uh, thanks for inviting me on uh, to to the podcast. And uh, yeah, I thought we had a choice. Any emailed us and like threatened us if we didn't have you on. It, yeah, no? yeah. I think I threatened you with a pie or something. If you you know, 
I threatened uh, we wouldn't get a pies, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was holding your run uh, capsule about the uh, Jokovic, but I better not say that. Uh, I mean, what do we think? Uh, let's talk about it briefly, very briefly. If it was a footballer, would they be under the same thing? Has there been any football teams going to Australia? Any other story, stories of this? Uh, there's not stories of that in Australia, but there is a city where all the players had to be double jagged, and there was a case of uh-huh. Chris Smallin having to rush back a couple of a couple of days ago, basically get his jag and make him eligible to play uh, against Juve the other day. Oh, has he not got, got, do- do- got a Roman doctor yet? <laughs> uh, no, he was in the UK on holiday, uh, like back home over Christmas, and then he was going back. And the requirement now in City is that you need to be double-jagged. All the players need to be double-jagged to be eligible to play. Or they need, unlike Djokovic, to be able to prove uh, a exemption. medical exemption. Yeah, a proper medical exemption, not just that I had COVID before. So yeah, I think I've got to say, I've just got to cut in there, I've got to say, you know, Chris, all that with the, the double jabs and all that. But I think the, the true crime that's been committed here is that Chris Smallin is playing for Roma. I mean... I would personally like Roma to um, fold, collapse, and never come back. The cheating, uh, cheating bastards. So, oh, I'd, oh. Um, <laughs> uh, well, they bought off referees to get themselves to a European Cup final. Uh, so, uh, it's proven in court. What, that's that's way, Italian what, football. What Italian, what Italian team hasn't bought referees? I know, but what Italian team did it against Dundee United? Just the one. So, <laughs> but. Um, Joshua Kimmich, I read about him. He's not been vaccinated in Germany and he got COVID, but he's still saying he's not getting vaccinated. So I don't know. His was more funny due to the fact that he was the face of the campaign to get jagged. And he had been the face of the campaign in, in, in Bavaria in particular. And then it turned out that he hadn't been jagged, despite the fact he'd been the face of the campaign to, to get yourself jabbed. I know in Italy in particular, been, a lot of players have been quite good at getting double jabbed. Uh, weirdly it's a Premier League and the EFL in England that are one of the worst leagues in Europe for overall percentage of players being jagged in, in Spain it's been quite the uptake's been quite good Italy the uptake's now mandatory for players I, I personally I understand everyone's like um, right not to do it I, I fully appreciate that if you don't want to do it for your own reasons fair enough but at the same time the overriding public health rule law should outweigh naivety, effectively. So, talking of public health, are we getting capacity crowds back tomorrow? Well, the announcement, the announcement, because it won't happen, obviously, as of tomorrow. But the way that the media is talking today, we're getting the drip feed, it's probably not happening, is it? I'm going to cry. It looks like it is. This is the worst I've felt about an update so far because it just feels like we're back to where we were pretty much last January. And if anything, you know, what's it going to be the rest of the season? Uh, I, I mean, I do believe, I think the last thing we spoke about this, the hospitals weren't over inundated with people, but I think now the situation has changed. Much as the variant's not as serious, it seems to be that hospitals are full again and people are waiting hours for an ambulance. So I guess that that's the reason. I but think... You, you know, I, I do think it's a bit unfair because, like, I'm not a big kind of darts fan, but, like, if you watch the Ali Parry the other week, you know, um, 
it must have been millions and millions of people kind of like not wearing masks or, or whatever, you know, and I'm thinking, God, that, that's so that's so wrong in so many levels. But And then when you look at the Premiership football, even tonight, the Man United game when uh, Aston Villa, but I was watching the, uh, was it the Newcastle game against Man United the other week? And they had a full ski game as well. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's so unfair for Scottish football to be like the, the poor man's game, basically, kind of thing, you know. So hopefully, hopefully we will, um, when the next time you do a pod, then we'll be back to full houses. But I very much doubt it um, and scuff. I doubt well, we're doing one, we'll be doing one again next uh, Monday, but uh, it's not looking promising, I don't think. See, I think, I, I think you know, for, for the full pandemic, I've backed pretty much every single restriction and law that's been passed, all the rest of it. And I've, you know, my wife worked in an ICU for the majority, for the full two, first two waves um, of the pandemic and things like that. And it's more to do with data and, you know, the, why they're doing it, why they, they specifically doing these certain things. And the, the fact is, it, we all know over Christmas, most people of a certain age seem to get it. You know, that I knew of, you know, people that I worked with, friends, family, all were getting it. And it's dripped through to the elderly, um, the, the older population now, and that's without football being on. And that's because you let people just do what they wanted at Christmas time with their families and everything else. So it's a case of, right, OK, you, you want it to be 500 people at the, at the football grounds. Why? Why 500? Right. What are you going to do to help? You know, I remember I wrote an article saying, you know, they should also be bringing financial help to the football team. And, you know, you've got people like the, the golf guy from The Guardian, I don't credit his name, said, oh, well, Rangers have just spent 10 million, have just bought, brought in 10 million pounds for Nathan Patterson. I don't think they need money from the government. We're not talking about Rangers. We're talking about, you know, your, your teams in the west of Scotland, the east of Scotland leagues. You're talking about your part-time teams, your Stenhouse Mules, things like that, that need to generate money that are, are paying out for various tests and things like that, which is fine. But there is no help from the government to help these sectors. And if it was any other sector, they would be getting financial help for it. And that's the, you know, the, the, so there's no help and there's no real reasoning as to why they're, they're doing it. So that's that's my issue with it. See, on the back of that, so part of the theme of this podcast tonight is going to be about discrimination. Do we then think that football is completely getting discriminated against? Uh, I think... Is it must be on the sports as well. Yeah. Like no, no fans at rugby either, because I was what some of that was at the weekend. So it's, yeah. It isn't just football. It's... it's... I think I think I think everyone would probably agree that if, see if there's a genuine scientific reason behind that five hundred and not just plucked out the air and then openly admitted that it was just plucked out the air. I think people would probably have less of an issue with it. So see if they were saying like, oh, you can only have like I think Aaron said before we started recording, if you only had like a certain percentage of the, of the ground, then we can all understand that. Yeah. Whereas if you've just picked five hundred out of thin air, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous in the fact that take Gretna for example. So Gretna are restricted to five hundred capacity, right? Whether or not they get that's a different matter, but they're restricted to 500 capacity. You go six miles down the road, literally 6.2 miles, and you're at Carlisle United's ground, and that hasn't got capacity 
in any way, shape or form. That's the bit that I think is starting to annoy people in Scotland and, and in Wales, for example. I think we all may have seen the Chester City thing over the weekend where they you know, are technically under Welsh regulations for their ground, but their offices are in England. And so they were working at full capacity and then they got told by the Welsh government, you're breaking the law. There was <laughs> also... Jeff, there was also that, I don't know if, uh, if you were saying, was it, was it Cardiff and Swansea you were saying there? Uh, no, Chester City. I, I, Ch- Chester, yeah, yeah, that was the, that was the one that I heard. Um, is it something also to do, something to do with the fact that the, the turnstiles are technically in England, Yeah, but their ground is in Wales or something like that? It's yeah. absolutely <laughs> mental. So, one of the stands, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, over. Yeah, so. I think the issue is, yeah, one, I don't think, They've said, well, we just had to, we just picked 500. It's a number. 500 people in a small stadium is not the same as 500 people at Celtic Park. And a lot of clubs, Hearts didn't have anyone, I don't think, did they, for their 500 game because it cost them more money to operate with 500 fans than none. And I think, I think they thought Barlet was unfair in terms of doing ballots again and folk missing out. That's the thing. Yeah. And as soon as you have fans in, you've got stewarding, you've still got a lot of your other match day necessities. Thing as well is that people I think who don't care about football think, well, why should it play or what's the point? It's just rich people making more money. Puts a lot of money into the economy in lots of different ways. And I think that if having had no crowds at games, they could say, look, numbers have dropped. They haven't. Jason Leach said today, current measures haven't done anything and our numbers are the same as England's and they've got less restrictions. So what what is the basis for it? There is not See, at all. I, I kind of really get confused, right? Because, and I know a lot of people might say, Michael, you're confused. I hell of a lot, my way, pal. <laughs> uh, but, like, um, what they're saying was last year when the, the pandemic skarking is, uh, you would catch COVID inside, not outside. And yet they're, they're turning away football fans as well. And, you know, and uh, I don't know what going on to speak about this. I don't know. But, Vaccinating passports at football, I do not get it because they, as, as soon as you go to football grounds in Scotland, the stewards had a look at them, you know. Uh, and you know, I'm busy getting out my pocket to show them the the, the vaccinating passports, and they're like, "I okay, on you go, that's fine." They they don't look at my name. They they don't look at you know. I could be some big, so I I could be pegging. I'm Michael, but my name's Bob or something. Yeah, they, why have you got Bob on here? Why have you got Bob or something? <laughs> but I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't bother about that, if you know what I mean. What if you said your name was Novak? <laughs> no well, answer. yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Kate Kikort. But that it's, is, it's not even just football. But, but for me, that is the biggest, that's the biggest problem, is what Michael's probably is. Any regulation that they've brought in, apart from ones that they can probably control easier, like the football one, so the wearing of masks, the passports and stuff, they have not properly regulated it, and they still haven't, even to this day. So that's the biggest problem in society than 500, more than 500 people going to a football game. And it, these sort of things, if it's not getting fixed from, you know, the wider population, then why should the people who enjoy going to a football game get the, be the ones that suffer? The outside thing's a fair point because they were really keen throughout, you know, even in the winter, oh, you can go to the pub, but it's only outside. You can meet people outside, try and stay outside. Now, I know at Christmas they said three households, but that was guidance. 
So you could have had on New Year's Eve the biggest party you wanted to have. You know, whether that was sensible or not, legally you could do it. You could have 100 people around your house on New Year's Eve, but you can't go to football, which is outdoors, and they're trying to encourage people still to go outdoors because they think it doesn't spread. I just think it was an easy restriction to put in because it doesn't cost the government any money. And they have expected less pushback because you're not really closing businesses down. And I think that is what's happened. See, I, I was out a couple of times just after New Year. See the amount of pubs that are closed just now. They've just decided I'm just taking three weeks off. Now, some places would close in January because it's a quiet month. But there's places that are just like closing. They're just going, we can't. Because, but it's true to staffing issues. They've not got enough staff. So I suppose these are the other impacts that maybe, I suppose we all get selfish in our own way. We want to do things, as in go to football, go to gig, do whatever. But there's actually the other impact. But there's a flip side argument. If you're not letting the folk in the football, they're going to the pub to watch it. And then they're saying hospitality spreading it. So what? what's the... Aye, we're all and they're also saying that having had no crowds at games, there's been no difference. So it's obviously not spreading at football matches, is it? Well, Christmas, you said about Christmas, it probably has been Christmas, let's face it. Over three days, it was carte blanche, fill your boots, do whatever you want, hug hug a stranger, have them in your house, whatever. So the light was same as last year. That's what happened. They the said thing is, COVID the took thing, a holiday at Christmas, and that was what happened. Just that same again. But the thing is, is this, as we keep on mentioning it, it's again outside. So it is different from, say, the pubs and stuff like that. And we were talking about, you know, our staffing issues. That happens throughout the year at foot, with football over the COVID uh, scenario when players, there's not enough players to fulfil a fixture and they've had to cancel it. So still these things have happened throughout the pandemic and not just these couple of weeks either for football. A lot of staffing, staffing issues as well are based on um, rules by isolating, which have been changed a bit. So that will hopefully help. Aye, they're still wanting to change it further, but the, the science supposedly has said five days is crazy because... Day three to six, I think, can be sometimes the worst. So, I don't, I don't know. So we talk about something positive? I think I did mention about managerial changes and then we got back to dreaded COVID chat. Sean Maloney at Hibs. Yeah, I think uh, I've got one managerial change that's from November that I'm sure we'll get onto the road towards the end because my stats are brilliant. But, uh, no, I think the Sean Maloney one, I'm not, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm, I'm not so surprised that he went to Hibs. I'm surprised at how quickly he's managed to sort of turn a team to looking more attractive because I didn't think they were bad under Jack Ross particularly I just thought they choked in, the, in certain games but he seems to have managed to make them look a lot more attractive as a team which fair, fair dues he's also seemed to have signed quite well which is obviously a positive as well that's I don't think anyone saw that boy from Bodo Glimp coming coming in to, to sign for him he's a, he's a hot prospect and I know a lot of teams in in especially after his performances against Roma. We're looking at him and the hipster managed to bring him in. Genuinely, it's a really, it's a really good signing. They've signed, they've signed five players now. Ewan Henderson from Celtic on loan, which can be a permanent deal. Today, they've signed Rocky Boucheri from Norwich on loan with a beautiful permanent deal. So they're actually addressing positions that they've strengthened as well. So fair play. But Maloney's all going to take in that job without being told you're getting a bit of backing after him being with Belgium. There's no chance. So... What's that? So they haven't signed anyone from Sudbiran yet. The window's still open. So Aberdeen are doing that this winter. <laughs> my, only, my only worry for Maloney is the players that he's inherited in the sense that, yeah, they've done well, you know, in terms of what he's seen of them. But they did the exact same thing with Jack Ross after 
kind of down in tools a wee bit for the previous manager and then it is you know that would be a wee slight concern it's like every time a Man United manager walks in they do well for two weeks and then just go you know what actually we don't play football anymore so it, it, you know he has to make sure that that change is a permanent one the signings look very good and it looks as if like, they're really backing them um, so you know it's a managerial appointment that has really impressed me so far it's interesting because just as he took over, Lukaku said he wanted to leave Chelsea. Obviously, Lukaku and Maloney know each other well. I mean, who knows? Maybe Lukaku's always wanted to be near Eddie McCastle. I don't like the Maloney appointment. What's that? I don't like the Maloney appointment. Is that because it's a better one than Stephen Glass, in your opinion? <laughs> um, no, it's because. Uh, he uh, well, hold on. Oh, let's let's look at the game. data. Let's look at the data, right? Um, yeah. What's Stephen Glass's win percentage so far this season compared to Sean Maloney's? Yeah, very good. Maloney <laughs> took a charge and beat us in his first game, and so I'm not speaking to him. Oh, are you in the huff? Well, I'm not happy about it because it's annoying, isn't it? Well, it is, I. So, um, that's a bit annoying. Um, my old manager, my old pal Derek's got a new job. I, well, we were talking earlier about uh, making a team more attractive. I mean, if any team's going to be more attractive, it's come on with Derek McInnes in charge because he's a handsome man. Lovely, isn't he? Much of the style of football will be much more attractive. He loves um, loves midfielders and he really likes tall strikers that aren't always very good. I think, uh, um, I think it's harsh. I still think Derek McInnes was... I like Derek McInnes. So any, it was time for him to move on. Any manager is an improvement in terms of style of football to Tommy Wright. Um He's just Tommy Wright is the definition of a hammer thrower. His, his football was atro- is atrocious, and it you've got to say it, it worked one time in his career in Scotland at St Johnson, um, in a club where absolutely nothing was expected of him. Um, you know, uh, he went into Kelly. They, they were, I mean, they were, they were getting results um, week in week out, but the style was atrocious. The one thing that I'm actually really intrigued about the Derek McInnes appointment um, to to Kelly um, is that Derek McInnes has been on record in the past and saying that he doesn't like plastic pitches, he doesn't think they should have a place in the top flight. Um, now, I've, my, my views on plastic pitches are that are, are this: they should not exist in the top flight. I don't, I, I hate them with all the passion burning in my soul. Um, but I'd like to know what Derek McInnes thinks about them now, because it tends to be it tends to be the people that are pro plastic pitches tend to be the people from the clubs that have the plastic pitches. Well, here's something: Derek McInnes never got beat at Rugby Park as Aberdeen manager, so it's a good appointment. He obviously much he may not like the pitch. He's had a lot of success on that pitch. I think he'll try and get that uh, pitch changed if he can. He did a lot of Aberdeen to try and change things behind the scenes, so I think if he can, he'll try. But it depends how how persuasive they can be and how good a relationship with Billy Bowie can have compared to what he had with Milne, because basically with Milne, he was untouchable. The, the thing about the plastic pitch is we come back to football as a business now as much as the sport, and it's dependent on what that plastic pitch is there for. If that's generating money, if that's helping the community, if that's if if you know depend if that if that reaches the goals of the club more than anything else, then that will be the, the, the turning point. If it's not worth its money, then and McInnes asks for it to go, then it'll go. So it'll, it'll all be dependent on whether it pays for itself. 
Are you saying then we should not discriminate against plastic purchase? Well, I, I, I think unless you do it from a kind of UEFA level or whatever, and I, I can see I, I've worked with a lot of community clubs over the last few years, and they absolutely endorse plastic purchase as being one of their biggest contributing factors of any sort of finance. So I would I would be against um, even at top flight unless it's an absolute horror show getting rid of plastic pitches. There is a lot of clubs in the west of Scotland, especially that have plastic pitches, and that is community based. You obviously have done stuff at Cumnock. Uh, yeah, the Cumnock one is the prime example. The Cumnock one, they, they didn't have a proper pitch for kids to play on. It was full of dog shit, or it was uh, needles and stuff like that. And that's was it, where. You know, it was everything and anything on these places where kids couldn't then play football and it's totally turned it around. You know, that's what they said. They said that that was one of the saving graces for the whole thing was the plastic pitch. Uh, the other side of Ayrshire, I'm thinking Bolland. Lee Bolland. Lee Bolland? Really? Bolland. Bolland, yeah. isn't it? I was thinking about the name wrong. I'm thinking, I've got the first name wrong. I'm thinking, it's not Bolland. Aye. Uh, bully, uh, bully, bully boy, bully boy. Um, I, 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 I got to say, um, one of my, one of my, one of my best mates is a is a massive air fan, John. Um, and I was having a chat with him about going. He was saying he's, he was really, he's really excited about it. Um, it's about out there and all this. I, the only thing that I could say about him was uh, I just kept making puns about the fact his name's Bull and we were playing darts. Um, and I just kept whistling the Bulls Eye theme tune and, and, and that, that was literally all I had to offer about Bully. It's it's a be, weird one. Fine but... if I was there, because I'd be like Bullseye, Bullseye. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean the guy the guys the guys came from somewhere in England with Sheffield under... Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. Where they played yeah, for a yeah. long time. Yeah, um, I, I, assistant manager was it or, or under 23s manager? Under, uh, twenty-threes and then he'd, he'd taken over into him. Did he yeah. change, was it? It was kept taking advantage of a few times. Um, um, I, I, I've got nothing on him. Matt, do, 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 do people remember their first kind of Lee Bullen experience in terms <laughs> of Euro 96 build-up for England? It was a Hong Kong team he played for originally. It was the I, Hong Kong 11s Euro about the time that uh, Gaza and all that did their uh, oh, dentist chair. Dentist chair, I did that. So out, and, uh, it was a Hong Kong select team. And the Scottish guy Lee Bullen was playing, and then suddenly he came over and he was playing for Dunfermline and the like. So that's how far back I think Lee Bullen goes in my memory. At least it's something different in terms of appointment wise. It's not a managerial job. Yeah, that, that's, so the, that's, the bit, that's the bit I like is that it's not the same old name, same old face. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I, mean, I say that directly after Derek McInnes. I don't think that about Derek McInnes, to be fair. I think. You know, he's got a nice face, but he's had the right to, to, to manage again. You know, I think he did a, a, a good job at Aberdeen. I think Aaron's right. I think it was time for him to, to, to leave that job. But he didn't, you know, it's not the kind of, it's, it's some of these other managers who are constantly in jobs, you know. And I, I, I don't want to knock people getting jobs. That's not what I'm here for. But, you know, just you know, the names like Jim Duffy and stuff, that have been here for years upon years, seem to always crop up and get jobs and stuff like that. It's good to see somebody new again. Um, yeah. Michael, were you surprised that Derek McInnes went to the championship team? 
Yes, no, but um, <clears throat> first of all, I'm surprised they never went to Rangers when, when they was offered that job a, a few seasons ago because everybody was um, it was a dead set to go to Ibrox kind of thing, uh, caught everybody by, by surprise. But no, because Kamarok's a good, uh, a good club, a big club as well that shouldn't be in the in the championship, so I think he's actually gone out with outside his comfort zone, if you see what I mean by that, and get a Camaro Cup by um, what is it, 18 months that he's saying a deal for as well. And he got off to a good start the weekend as well. And they've got a difficult game in Flagonite, I think they're way pack at Fissel on Flagonite. Um, or maybe some, I think it's Fissile anyway. Anyway, I'm watching the game because it's on the telly. So, yeah, <laughs> but um, it's just a bit weird to see Kamaro out of the top, out of the top league, if you know what I mean, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think McInnes will, will do well um, and scuff, you know. Obviously, time will tell, you know, because as well, doing this pog, it's only kind of one game and you know football fans are a bit fickle sometimes and you know if you do this podcast in two weeks I'll get him out here he, he's hopeless you know so football's a it's a funny old game as some uh, as some get say at one point as well so uh, so yeah. what you're saying is you've listened to Aaron because Aaron loves Stephen Glass hates Stephen Glass loves Stephen Glass <laughs> well where are you just now in terms of Glass full Glass I don't love him I um I don't think he is sufficiently capable of that job. And that's not a reflection on him. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. Um, you know, we've won one or two games. We got a point at Ibrox, which, yes, is decent, but I don't think we have had the season that we should have. And the transition period thing is fine, but I can't see where that ends. You know, in two, you know, in two years' time, we're sitting 10th. Do we say, oh, it's a transition? So I'm not. I'm just not confident that he is at the level that we would want. Right. Quick, quick question then, because we did this two weeks ago in terms of predictions for the Premiership. Stick or twist with Stephen Glass. I mean, we're still we're still going to win the league. It just won't be because of Stephen Glass. So would you get rid of him? Me. You're saying it's Andy Constantine coming back. It's going to sort it for us. So would you keep him? Stick or twist Stephen with Stephen Glass. Um, no, I'd like you can go in the summer. Okay, okay, so Although to be honest, if we ru- if we lose a massive run of games, he can go then. But I think it's pretty obvious that's probably not going to happen. But in the summer, I suspect, unless we win the Scottish Cup, there is going to have to be a serious look at what they do because people aren't particularly delighted. I don't think. And I'm not saying that you expect a new manager to come in and suddenly you're top of the league, but I don't expect some of the results that we've had and the performances we've had and some of the signings have been questionable. But a lot uh, of them are on the way out. Maybe though Aberdeen have had a bad spell. Perhaps have had a bad spell and Aberdeen will have a good 2022. Do you think? We're unbeaten this year. Yep, true. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I um, I noticed that people are arguing over who doesn't want Lee Griffiths and uh, he scored two goals this season, both of them against us, of course it is. Uh, Makes I... us look embarrassing. Let, let's maybe not talk too much about Lee Griffiths. Um, other managerial changes, so maybe the biggest impact of all, Doogie Emery at Morton. Yeah, I, I've, this is the one I did a, a bit of research on. Not so much Doogie Emery at Morton, but 
same Hi, space Jeff. setting. Jeff, are you like, trying to be the teacher's pet here? I've brought your homework with you. Mm-hmm. This is what we want. People are professional. No folk that oh. eat their dinner on the podcast. Is this not eat your dinner? Podcast. No yet. No yet. Are you inhaling it? Are you, How are you getting the food in? You, <laughs> a drip? No, I'm, I, I will be having my dinner in a second. <laughs> I was, uh, what I was going to say is that the championship this season, I think, is, is seen the most about managerial changes out of all the leagues so far. And I've got to be honest, out with one team, uh, Berman, every other one seems to have made a semi-wise choice. So like, Dougie Emery at Morton, it's his first ever job, but that's a good thing. He should be trying to bring young coaches through. Uh, obviously, got Devin McInnes at Kitty, but it's by the pipe. He put him, it's his first proper job. Like He was under 23's manager, it's his first, first thing job. Stuart Taylor at Hamilton, all of these managers, even Billy Dodds at Inverness, like, all of these are, are good things for Scottish football overall. Like, we should be getting more younger managers in. Even, as much as it pains me to say it, Martin Rennie at, at Falkirk, his first job in, in Europe, He's gone into that. Um, so those are all good things. And then we get to Dunfermline and Athletic. <laughs> and we were saying earlier that we were getting bored of the same managers constantly seeming to get a job. And John Hughes, I think, is the one. He's doing, at the minute at Dunfermline, exactly the same as what he did at Rafe Rovers. And it seems to be that, because he's really good at talking, because he says the right things, people send to just take what he says with a... That's uh, not... It's not, it's no Yogi, it's not Yogi, it's not Yogi. Well, I it is. I mean, he's he a right opinion, Yogi, because he, he has done well at clubs, but yeah, but he's yes. done well at clubs where you can set up a siege mentality. So, when was it Ross County? No one wanted to travel to Ross County, they were odds and favorites to go down, they had a low, lower budget, everyone else. And he set that mentality of everyone's against us. He did the same at Inverness, everyone's against us, everyone's against us. The problem is, he's trying to do that mentality at Dunfermline. And one, no one's against them, two, they've got a fairly right. sizable budget for the league they're in. Uh, three, they weren't until now odds on favourites to go down in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I believe they were one of the favourites of the title. Uh, right at the start of the season. Yeah, oh, so he's trying to set up the siege mentality. You heard his interview at the weekend. Well, I say you did. You, you might not, but he told uh, Ken McIntyre, I think it was, that getting beat 5 0 would be a good thing for them because it would give the boys something to fight against and that they need to show heart. Oh. Now, that's fair, dude. That's, 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 that's called sound. The Mark McGee school of interviews after the game. Well, he's really good at it because people who don't watch his team play are like, oh, I say all the right things, you know, they need to have more fight, they need to have more desire. Yeah, they do, but you should also probably not pick a centre-back who's not played since the 8th of August last year, put him in for 90 minutes, and then out of 18 pass attempts, do four successfully. That isn't a lack of desire or heart by the player. That's your fault. You're the manager. You picked him. You watched him successfully do four passes, and, and scoring on goal, that was a genuine quality header. But he he's done this before at Ross County, at, at Rafe Rovers, where his interviews, I believe in one interview with Rafe Rovers, he said that uh, it was because the players, uh, they got beat 5 0 with enough by St. Millen. And he said that the players uh, spent too much time on the internet rather than concentrating on what they were doing. And he seemed to make out that like St. Millen weren't playing in the modern era as well, like the internet exists. It's the same as what he did at the weekend. He basically said, oh, the players need to show more fight and desire. They were really good in training, but when they went on across the white line, what more can I do? Well, tactically, a lot more than what you did. Stop changing the back line and don't pick a defender that's not played since August. S- simple, really. And I think to sit there and, and blame everyone else is 
he shouldn't, how he keeps getting his jobs is, is genuinely quite amazing. And Dunfermline, this is the second manager this season. They done, they did it with Peter Grant. They seem to be picking managers that have got a big, a bigish name, and banking on that working rather than what the other teams have done, where they've gone for coaches up and coming reputations are trying to go for someone that had a reputation in the past. See, I, I think, I think as John's already said, I think uh, Hughes kind of divides opinion. You say, why is he, why is he got this job? And you're like, well, he actually did not bad at Ross County's last job. He failed miserably at Rafe Rovers, but then before that, he won the Scottish Cup with uh, Cali Thistle. So I can see why clubs would give him a, an opportunity. I, I think the family one is strange, though, because again, as you said, uh, Peter Grant was in, which was a horrendous appointment for everybody could see a mile off of when he got it. And then John Hughes now. But the uh, family, are they not the ones that are owned by the Germans now? Like a German consortium yeah. who I think want to, from what I'm led to believe, want to kind of re-evaluate the academy, get players playing a certain way, and even think about selling players onto Germany and things like that. So I'm surprised they've not gone for a young coach, much like the German teams do. You know, they did with Klopp. Like did you've done too cool and all the rest of it? I'm surprised I've not actually gone down that route of right. Well, let's get a good set of basics done where everybody plays well and plays a certain system, and then we'll filter that through to our academy. We'll, th- we'll start playing young Scottish players. Whereas if you if you're picking somebody like John Hughes, then you're you're getting a manager who constantly plays a way that isn't always appealing to the eye by any stretch. And he p- picks odd players, you know. He, he he falls back on players that he's known for years, things like that. Doesn't seem to fit the the, the business model. That's the the biggest thing. I, I, I could see why John Hughes would go to certain clubs or why certain clubs would be interested. But that particular one and the two manager appointments that they've made just kind of don't sit well with the proposed business model. Here's a quick question, though. Is the problem bigger than the manager at Dunfermline? Because Dunfermline have been in the top flight for years now. And I think Dunfermline, probably the fans and some of them think we're still a big club type thing in, in Scottish terms. Uh, I don't think so. I think when they had their scare with administration, I think that gave them a bit more of a new perspective on stuff and the time languishing in League One. Uh, I think that they... I literally just think it's their last couple of managerial appointments, to be honest. I thought under Stephen Crawford, they were starting to, to hit a bit of rub. Yeah, it went a bit stale. But they've got quite a young squad. And since John Hughes has gone in, their top scorer is still Kevin O'Hara, who he hasn't played, and he's dropped to the bench. Um, the players that they've signed don't really make much sense. I mean, if you read the, the Cole Donaldson signed, if you read the statement that uh, like the Balkanman of Cole Donaldson made it sound more like he was going out on loan uh, than had to come in on loan. He, they signed, obviously, uh, Connolly from Dundee United. It doesn't really... I don't really know what's going on there. I know the fans are slowly starting to turn. And I don't think it's the fans' fault at all. I mean, Dunfermline fans saved their club from administration on, I think, twice now. Um, so I don't really think it's overly the fans that are the problem. Yeah, I think there's an expectation. They're one of the better supported teams in the championship. I don't think there's much doubt about that. I, I think just think the last couple of appointments have just been terrible. I think I think it's also a, a kind of 
the championship has been a, a hard one for a lot of teams to get out of. If you're talking about how long Dunfermline have been there, you've also got Rangers have been in there at that point, the Hibs have been there, Hearts have been there, Dundee United have been there. You know, I mean, so many teams have been there during that same time. It, it becomes, uh, you know, harder and harder to then get out of. But I do feel as though, you know, you look at Rennie at Falkirk, you look at when it's just Emery Greenock. Uh, Morton, these are the kind of managers, these kind of kind of things that I would have thought Dunfermline would have went for with, the, as I say, the kind of proposed business model that, that they're looking at. It, the, the John Hughes one, and even worse, it was the Peter Grant one. I just don't see what they were thinking on on, on why they appointed, especially Peter Grant. I would imagine thought John Hughes was a safe pair of hands. Yeah, the, the Peter the, 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 the Peter Grant one for me was was more bizarre than. John Hughes. I mean, John Hughes at least was coming in on a bit of a high after after having a, a, a relatively successful period at West County. Um, for me, I mean, I, I, I like I like John Hughes, um, but you know, it's like what Jeff's saying. I th- I, you know, I don't watch. I don't watch a lot of these Ross County teams. I only watch them, you know, the highlights and, and when they played my own team. Um, I don't watch a lot of them firmling, um, you know, just keep an eye out for the results. Um, one thing I would say, though, is that it's not always it's not always a necessity that, that having a, appointing a young manager means that you're being progressive. Um, you just look across across um, to our broth who have uh, Dick Campbell, uh, who is by all accounts, on track to win manager of the year in Scotland um, and is whatever age he is, 65 or something like that. So, And he is most definitely from the John Hughes school of, of football, I think. He's, he's an old-fashioned style um, football gaffer type character. Um, so... I, I, I don't think I don't think appointing a young manager for for a young manager's sake, but you know, f- f- just for the sake that he's a young manager, is, is is necessarily a good move. But I do agree with you that that I it's, don't not, it's not for the sake John... of it though. It was more the it was more the kind of structure, business structure of how they've come in and what they want to do with that <clears> football <throat> club. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick Campbell suits for for. Uh, suits, it's forward to the ground. A broth. In term a broth, so I, I knew I was going to get that mixed up. Those two teams. You had the bites again. I nearly finished that one. <laughs> uh, so but you see, they, they sue each other, and it's that kind of thing. I, I, I don't feel those two appointments, especially the Peter Grant one, suited Dunfermline at all. I'm not saying that Rennie or Emery would have done any better at Dunfermline. I just think that kind of elk mm. where they're, they're looking for somebody who is more innovative um, or more pliable to changing things. Like a time course. Usually you do like get a that. Course. You, but you usually do get that with, yes, young younger Thomas managers. Course. I think that's it. It's, uh, so that's the only reason that you kind of... That, see it with kind of younger managers. Yeah. The same with Rangers and Van Pontkos. It, it, it kind of looked like a, the right appointment at the right time. Michael, what do you think about John Hughes? I mean, like, I, I was I was thinking about the, the question there when you were talking to the guys, and um, I think for, for me, and obviously I can't speak for everybody here, but, like, 
I think I think it's very hard to um, pass comment on this one because obviously we're going to get to see um, a lot of the football and obviously um, don't get me started on the football deal for for the TV. Um, I mean, it's good to see that the 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 first division on the football and the, the BBC and the flag night, but that's what you get. Um, you, you know, you can only go by you know what you see on Twitter or 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 YouTube or, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, yes, I don't I don't have a lot to say in that because I don't know a lot about getting filming. Um, can can listen. All I would say was maybe they went for no disrespect um, to maybe a Peter Grant or John Hughes in this one. Maybe they had to go for the cheap option because as Scott was saying that they've been in the first division for years and it's hard to come back up. Uh, well, maybe they've not got the money that 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 they get have um, kind of like back in the day and stuff like that, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, confirming one of these teams that you would like to see back up in the uh, the division because I used to like going to East Kent Park, you know. Uh, it was a skagen. Um, I'm thinking how to say yes, it was a new camp, you know, um, and stuff like that. So no, I mean, I, no, I, I can't really like comment on that one because you know I don't know much about them this season to, to have a comment. Aye, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. See though on the subject of the media deal, they missed a big opportunity with the fact the premiership change yeah. of winter break. There was nothing on the championship at the weekend, was there? On TV. No. Even no. though there's normally the Friday night game on BBC Scotland. Yeah. I know they've only got a deal for so many. Surely could Sky not have shown like said look Putting a quick right, okay. There's no Premiership football. Let's get a wee Championship game on the go. Um, I mean, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go first and then I'll shout when I've got <laughs> you know big healthy. But I think Sky doesn't give a fine f about Scottish football. Um, if it wasn't for Celtic and Rangers, the wouldn't bother about Scottish football. I mean, all you have to do is look at Sky Sports the other day when Celtic were sending the three Japanese players. Because Manson getting in, it was back English football. Again, uh, Arrogance as well. And Gus uh, um yeah, you know... Um, you know, I've always had a being a bonnet about Scottish football, especially on Sky, because they, they use the same pundits every week, no matter what game it is. Um, whereas down in the Premiership, you've got different pundits for different games, and you know, mix up a wee bit. Um, but I guess it was all the wheels came off the bus for Sky years and years ago, and you know. I think every Scottish football fan would get pretty um, Skype and the hands up and say, we hate Scottish football. And to be honest, I would get pretty at that because from the outside looking in, that's what it feels like to me. The good thing is, though, because they don't care about Scottish football, they did miss the podcast trip to Dubai over a Christmas period. So we got away with that one. <laughs> so we're all, yeah. all right. We're all it's right. the same with Premier Sports as well, though, because when neither Celtic nor Rangers were in the semi-finals, you could tell that someone in their office is Googling which other clubs are in Scotland, you know, where are they? No idea. The, you know, people 
talk about, oh, what are the TV picks? Well, it's obvious what two Premier Sports you take in. It doesn't matter what other games there are, it doesn't matter who else. You could have, you know, really decent games. And the one thing I will say for English football at the moment, the FA Cup has obviously been on and yeah. I love a cup. And I don't watch loads of English football, but I like it because I will watch games that are on. And it's nice that they've not had a break. But the FA Cup, I think a cup competition is brilliant. I love seeing a big cup set. I really enjoy the magic of it. We're you know, used to cup upsets for Aberdeen as well, like unfortunately on the receiver end. It's not so fun when it's that. No, it's it? not, Although, it's actually, not. to be honest, we've not been, it's mainly just Celtic in a cup for us. But I mm. like seeing, you know, on the telly, you see people who, you know, really small clubs and they're going off to enormous stadium. There's, there is, mm. you know, the magic of the FA Cup is a, definitely a thing. And fair play to BBC and ITV who have had all of those games on over this weekend. I think that is what, you know, mm-hmm. why does it need to be a secret? Like, something people there. are allowed to watch games. And I get the three o'clock blackout thing. But on a Friday night, why wasn't someone putting something on? Edinburgh City, Elgin, get that on somehow. Here's the thing then. Do we not do sure. enough to big up the Scottish Cup in Scotland? As in, should it be a bigger tournament open to every Scottish team? Like what England is more Yeah, open. and I think we should make it more. I mean, it's the oldest cup in the world. I think we should be more proud of it. I think England talk about the FA Cup like it's brilliant. And, it, you know, it is a big competition. But if you mention the Scottish Cup, they'd probably laugh at that. But, mm. you know, it's a big thing. And I think we should be trying to make the Scottish Cup from the very beginning really magical for teams who, you know, if you get a little bit further than you expect, if you're a very, very small side, you know, often like Talbot, do they think they're going to beat Hearts? Maybe. Do they think yeah. they're going to win the Scottish yeah. Cup? Probably not. Yes, they do. No, they do think that. No, 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 Erin, 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 so I've got to cut in. They do, they do think that. Right, okay, and, well. And, and it's not not, not like a, oh, ha, ha, they do. No, they, they do think that they're, they're due to win against us. At home. At home. Yeah, but do they, they think they're they going to win the whole cup? No. No, no, probably not. We beat no, there. Like, that's the thing. I, we do. <laughs> we beat there. We beat Hamilton. This is the first. But, so, yeah, the but sometimes you know, If they beat Hearts, you know, in a way, and it is true that games like that, you know, become your cup final, you see small teams with really small sports go to huge stadiums and take half their time because people who've never been to a game before want to get involved. And I think there is something really special about it. And we probably need to try harder to make the cup feel like you can involve communities as well in it. You know, if you're in a small town where you've got a team that gets an okay support, seeing, you know, flags out and stuff and all of this and people really getting behind the team, I think it's quite special. And it would be nice if I think we made the Scottish Cup a little bit more glamorous. I think it's become a little, South have won it a lot. It's become probably just not as exciting as it was. And it doesn't help that the coverage is basically Premier Sports because I think the Scottish Cup and I think the FA Cup, things like that, that should be on BBC and ITV. I agree. See, the thing, the thing is, we have to, as a, a nation sometimes sell it more to ourselves. Sometimes we look at the Premier League, sometimes we say, look at it, look at the FA Cup, and we oh, we, we should sell this to the world that they do it down south. And you're like, we've still got enough people in Scotland sometimes watching this or demanding it from BBC. Why are we not demanding BBC Scotland show Scottish Cup games? Well, well, there should I mean, be a terrestrial, I, 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 there should be a terrestrial the station that, what, that has half of those fixtures every single time and they go, right, okay, you get you get to pick this round, and, and if Premier Sports want to pick something the next round, that's fine. They I don't even think Premier Sports should have any. I think BBC and ITV should split it, and that should be it. See, I think it comes down to. to but the thing, but the thing is, is Erin was saying that we should then make sure 
that every single community is involved and everybody's like, well, we could have a chance against playing against Celtic or playing against Rangers or playing against Aberdeen or if you're a, a smaller shirt club playing against Air United or Kilmarnock. You know, we don't make enough of it and that's because in the TV we do get the same games constantly and it's the, the Rangers or the Celtic games. And you're like, well, that's fine, but make sure there's a two or three other opportunities during the weekend where we get to see, you know, the, the smaller teams because I love going to what used to be junior football and things like that. Make it more so that they can then get these teams in rather than they have to get these stupid licensing just to get into a tournament. I'll tell you the big problem, right? And it happens all the time. Too many people in Scotland care too much about what happens across the other side of the border and watch English football more than Scottish football. Well, I mean, does it not tell you something? If Dundee and Hearts were on ESPN the other month at half five and nobody could see in Scotland because the Dundee uh, chairman was, is it American? Um, oh, yeah. And stuff like that. So does that not tell you everything? Like, you can know about, like, you know, they would rather see it miles away and people would say, oh, I've never heard of Dundee before. Um, oh no, so that I was Dundee and Aberdeen was it? A Saturday night game at half five, was it? Yeah, six o'clock. So, right, there you go. The game was in Scotland on American TV, but people in Scotland and in Dundee never got to see the game or Aberdeen for that matter as well. So, you know, um, yeah. Aye. Jeff, did you want to make a point there? Uh, my, my point was more on the, the Scots. There's a slight issue. You did mention it earlier that like why aren't more junior teams involved in it? Uh, the, the, historically, the issue is the fact that in Scotland, the Junior Cup has had, for a large portion, especially in the West of Scotland, been more more valued than supposed to be the best way of putting it. Since that split happened, obviously you're a Talbot fan, you'll know how often Talbot win that cup. And we've never really ever done what England's done, which is in England, every club, no matter where they are, they start off at the FA Cup at some varying degree as long as they're semi-professional whereas in Scotland if you didn't have membership the SFA you were in the Junior Cup and the two of them especially especially around Glasgow in the fall of Second World War they were in very much direct competition for players and that is part of the reason why I think it doesn't really get as much respect as it did as it should because Celtic Rangers fans would go watch a junior team play in the Junior Cup because spoilers are more likely to happen than they ever were in the, in the, in the Senior Cup and we really um, got past that. I mean, um, not to uh, go from one here, like because I'm not on the soapbox tonight because it's about late. But like, um, you know, uh, John, you make a good point earlier on about like uh, they would rather see English football on Scottish TV and all that, and you know that's and I'll be my born about the Scotland games as on Sky all the time, but like. Fans can, I mean, we all assume that people get Sky in Scotland and what have you, but people can't afford Sky. But, but uh, I mean, as they're most in early on, like if, um, if the Celtic game, I think it's on Premier Sport next week against Arwa, or else if you're an Arwa fan, but you can't afford Premier Sport. So, are you just going to what? Are you just going to stay up at half ten at night to watch the highlights, even though like you know the score of the game? But I we'll, don't think it's fair. We'll probably, we'll probably end up at a stage whereby Sky tells Scottish football, by the way, Rangers Celtic or Rangers is it over Rangers Celtic? 
It's a ten thirty PM evening, and they'll go. Aye, that's fine. Yeah, because they basically do what Sky tells them. Aye, but that's yeah. the sad thing about Scottish football. There's a there's a there's the, there's a problem that we have in Scottish football, um, and it is um, I can't remember who said it there, but it, but it is at the, at the very very top. What they often do is they use this expression. Um, we'll take the lead from our partners down south, um, and and they they constantly refer to English football um, and try to base ourselves on it. I mean, you look look at the whole restructuring of the league. We've just copied the names of the English football leagues, the Scottish Championship, League One, League Two, all of that carry on. Um, you know, and, and we tend to try and just you know almost almost try and copy what. Um, what the English leagues are doing rather than try to sell the great product that we have and make it our own um, you know and, and try to like um, I think it was Scott said try to actually sell it to our own populace before we try and sell it to the TV companies See I think as well what you were saying earlier on like um, I remember what was it last season I, I think it was uh, you only one game uh, for the whole season that wasn't involving Celtic and Rangers. One game, and that was like Dundee United against Murrowell. And I think it was as well at the beginning of like lockdown, like uh, last last season. Um, they they had um, Celtic and Dundee United get up at Tallardyce with a five o'clock kickoff. Now the only reason that game was a five o'clock kickoff was because there wasn't any Premiership games on it again in England. Because I would guarantee that if there was a, a Premiership game on in England, Dundee and Ike against Celtic game was on at 12 o'clock. So we always play like second, second fiddle in England. We are like the poor boys. And, you know, um, I'm sick of it now. <laughs> Aye. I suppose aside from that, does they also, when fans are allowed in, how do you get more fans into sports football? I know it's percentage wise, it's one of, the best, to, one of the best supported in Europe, supposedly. But could we do more about getting fans into football as opposed to football being a TV, a TV show? It all has to be about trying to sell it again to the, pub, the local public, get it more into the community, get it more into um, you know, great causes that deserve maybe some tickets and stuff like that. Get some positive media for your local. I mean, stop, we have to stop chasing certain targets and certain fans that are, are not there, you know, it, it's, don't, don't worry about, you know, if Rangers or Celtic are getting full capacities, who cares, I mean, let's try to get bigger crowds elsewhere, you know, because I think sometimes that's another thing, we, we wave around that, oh, you can, one week in Glasgow, Celtic or Rangers are playing, and that'll be the biggest attendance in the whole of the UK, who cares, do you know what I mean, we want to get these attendances up everywhere, and it's, it, I think we need to be, I think the football is more entertaining. I think um, the, the lower you go, I think when it comes to, you know, West of Scotland, that I've seen this season, the prices have been absolutely fantastic and the football's been great. And that's why I always urge people to go into whatever your local team is, give it a shot. You find out that the pies are probably better. You can walk around the pitch, you can do whatever you want. I got you a pint before half time in the well, clubhouse. You, yeah, exactly. You, you might have a, a bar just right outside the stadium. Um, 
like I do it, Pollock and things like that. And that's, you know, sample something else. Don't go just go to your, your first team. Go, go and see a, a team the next week as well. See on that subject quickly, see the West of Scotland football website now. They have a map of where all the clubs are in the West of Scotland. So get on there, people that have not been. Have a look, see what your nearest ground is. Or if you fancy just a wee, a wee road trip, get away from the shop. I know Supporters Direct Scotland. I know Supporters Direct Scotland are constantly at the moment messaging on Twitter. These are the teams that are playing just now, that, uh, tonight. So if you can make it a second team, then go. These are, if you're a wee bit extra football, go and support these teams because these teams won't get your 500s every week. So and, go and get yeah. them to help them. Livingston as well, telling people to go and watch local teams, as even if they can't make it to Almondvale. Yeah. Well, well, Tony Macaroni, sorry. Go along and see someone else. And Jeff, yeah, that's fantastic. Jeff, you, you watch all types of football, but you do enjoy the West of Scotland. Scott, yeah. Josh, obviously, you've got your West, same as me, West of Scotland, Dan, you've got your Premiership team. Erin, you've not been to, have you been to High, even Highland League ever? No. Or East um, of Scotland? No, but I think I'm gonna try. Well, we're gonna see what happens tomorrow. You strike me. But, you strike me as a bounce of the fun. No, I would go to Cove though. Oh, Cove. that's even worse. No, Cove's league. Me, my old pal Shay Logan. They're they're they're, they're, well, in, they're in your league. They're league one. We're talking non-league, like. Well, yeah, but it's still like got lower level, isn't it? Cove's nice. We should. Shay Logan. Oh. A big wave. In fairness, well, we should be encouraging that though. We should be encouraging people to our Aberdeen fans to go and see teams like Cove, Peterhead, or go see somebody else. <laughs> well, but you know what I mean? They should be sampling different grounds, sampling <laughs> different atmospheres, and seeing good Scottish football. That's the day I would go to. Nice one. Um, I think. Are you making a pledge? I think. You banks of um, yeah. I will yeah. go this season. Will you sign autographs? Um, if if asked, probably. By the way, you'll um, love, you the, you'll love the pies. You will love the pies at uh, so-called non-league football. You can't um, really call they're it right non-league now. Park, which is quite cool, I think. Um, I will go to Banksy this season. I will find a um game. I uh, play about every second week. And also, most of these grounds let your your dog's in as well, that's what I like about, you know, going to Pollock and stuff like that. Now I've got a wee puppy. All right. I can go and take... You can well, get a dog. You can go and see a dog, because most of the... It'll be, <laughs> mostly... feels like we're doing a lot of work here. No, no, oh, well. but it's true. It's... I do like seeing dogs. I can't emphasise enough how much I think people will enjoy it who go to Premiership games and who are disillusioned by Premiership games. Often, how much they will enjoy a, a lower leagues or non-league game. Yeah, and I'm you can, take about, you can go with about 20 quid and you could yeah. have the life, yeah. time your life. I do like, um, no, I like seeing um, dogs at games. I like it if you get a little photo of a nice dog at a game. Enjoy that a lot. Do we? Should we maybe start asking as opposed to show us your pie, show us your <laughs> puppy? I'm be very keen for that. You want to start that up? You um, could, get, you yeah. could go back to D. This weekend, if they're playing, they're away. I've just looked. Whereabouts? I can't. I'm. I've got plans on Saturday. Oh, wait, are we drinking prosecco or venoms? Is it with the high society? No. Hospitality no. at England or something like that. No, not at all. No. Um, right, okay. We'll let you they're off. away. We'll let you they're off at home weekend. on the twenty. They're at home on the 29th. Right. 
Okay, so shows your puppy starts at Banks of D on Saturday the 29th of January. The kickoff time might be problematic. I will go. It's very handy for me. You could go to an East team show, like East of Scotland, because you're, you're that way. I've been to Edinburgh City. Uh, I didn't have a pie, although they did look quite nice. I kind of regretted it, to be honest. Okay. Michael, do you I have... I want to see Edinburgh City play Hamilton in the League Cup. Aye, uh, I know, but we, we, we want to get you lower down the leagues. We want to get you... I can vouch, though, that the pies at Edinburgh City are quality. They <sighs> genuinely are. But they're not as good as the ones at uh, Bonnie Rig Rose, because they've got them kebab pies. I'd like to go to Bonnie Rig. Aye, they're worth it. I'm, I'm Dale Dooms, well, I'm Dale's price Michael, no one, Aaron, actually, I'm shocked, stunned and appalled that you did not ask Michael as part of the opening section of the podcast your question. Um, Michael, what is your favourite pie? <laughs> yeah, that, that, um, yeah, that, um, it's, it's, a, it's a men's pie, yeah. Just a standard mm. mince. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I get uh, plenty of tomato sauce. Don't get that tomato sauce in your pie. Yeah, tomato sauce in your pie. Yeah. Actually, yeah. we've spoken about sauce on pies before, have we? Not sure. Um, I quite like. I like a dry pie on a macaroni, but other than that, oh, not like that custom sauce. Oh, did you say custom sauce? I said, I'm not that fussed on sauce. I thought you said custard sauce. sauce. Really, that surprised <laughs> me. Erin eating a pie with custard. You know what? I actually would quite like it. Sometimes the special pie was a wee dessert pie for a change, a little rhubarb and custard pie. Oh, I'd be yeah. all over that. Right, I tell you what, why don't we go and see the dragons and pitch it to them? Because you, you used to like a wee, actually, empire, a, a, empire, a wee empire biscuit at, uh, at Rocky Park. So maybe actually sweet pies... There the was, and it would give us all a wee boost because you can't get a drink at half time. John, did you ever have a sugar boost? Did you ever like the wee? I don't know if this was a thing elsewhere, but I know you were kind of south south side brought up as well. Do you ever go to Hasty's? Remember Hasty's, the Hasties. bakers? That's not even a bell. What, what part? Is they had a, so they had a, they had a pie, an apple pie, I think it was. Right, okay. That was shaped like a mince pie, your scotch pie. Sorry, a scotch pie. It would have then strawberry sauce on top. So it was like a, a, the casing was just a, a normal scotch pie casing, but inside was right. an apple filling and then a oh. kind of strawberry sauce type thing on top. I've it was fantastic. Pop, that'd, be, pop, that'd be great for football. You I've know, that possi- mince pie uh, in, in your, in your uh, apple pie. Possible danger. I think like, maybe rhubarb po- as well. Was that. Possible danger here, right? So we're all used to getting a hot pie in a football. And that's difficult to eat. An apple pie, I think, has to be hot, and that could be dangerous. Apple pie. You well, these into, these ones I remember pie. wearing. These ones that I remember wearing, but you could heat them up. Obviously, that's your right, choice. A cold apple pie. Hot, yeah, cold apple pies. Hot or cold? Who, who's hot? Oh, I think cold? so. Yeah, it's going to be tricky to eat, but I do like the idea of a like dessert pie. Dessert, right? At the football. Yeah. Why not? Right. Right. Well, it'd be good for uh, vegetarians as well. Yeah, because I guess the only vegetarian option tends to be macaroni, doesn't it? Yeah, or the vegan sausage rolls, which are awful. But I, I had one at Celtic Park, hideous. Ah, Greg's yeah. ones are nice, they were not from Greg's. Uh, unless you're vegan, I don't recommend them. 
Not even then, I don't know if I would recommend them. So that's fair enough to say. Oh, the other thing about football food. So Michael mentioned fajitas earlier. You tagged us in in the flatbread at Barnsley. Yeah, so... It was like a... There's a lot of good-looking food coming out of the FA Cup this weekend. A lot. There's a a few questionable things as well. Um, But generally out of the FA Cup, there's quite a lot of nice-looking stuff. Because obviously that's the other thing about the magic of the cup. You get to go somewhere else. You get to go see another grind. You get to try out their food. Yep. And the lower league food always does look nice. It's that way, and you're missing out. You're going to love it. Your mind well, the thing blown. is, the one thing I'll say about England is that as much as I love a pie, it is really nice when you see something different, and England are very good for doing different. Right, right. Okay, do you like stovies? Not my fave, to be fair. The no, potato's a bit too mashed. You do I get like stovies it. sometimes at the, the tier five, tier six football. Uh, mushy peas? Mm-hmm. Mm. No? Um, soup? Yeah, I don't mind a wee soup. All right, so this is me just talking about one ground, by the way. Soup, mushy peas, stories. Trying what else? What else have you seen, Jeff and Scott, in terms of non non pies? And Michael, you... non non pies? Did you say? Aye, uh, non pies. Paradise for about three games this season. We're doing a chili dog, and that was the bollocks. <laughs> uh, well, aye, I don't know if I would eat a chili dog at a football going by it's the toilet. Mainly burgers and stuff I've, I've seen. I would. This was soup, the one soup is that I thought was impressive. Was yeah, so this is Gloucester City. Right. If you can see that, that's like a hot dog. But it, look at it. Oh, does it get stuff on it? A dirty dog? Yeah, it's huge as well. Um, I, and I, like a, I like a dirty dog. 50. Aye, well, Doro does the happy with that page because he says that quite often they're at it in terms of the prices and all that, but there is some quality scran. That... The one that used tags... Yeah, you're not saying Doro does morning, are you? Doro, I, I can assure you, Doro's going to pay a fiver for something anyway. I can assure you, Doro does morning absolutely <laughs> everything and anything. I've, I've no, we've not had a, a football topic yet that Doro does not mind about. Does, does he listen to this sometimes? Uh, so we could, I doubt it. Sure, it doesn't have anything to do with modern football. Talk something hipster. Talk something hipster. We'll, we'll um, this is the one that you guys tagged me in that I was very quick to make clear I would not go anywhere near. You would, you would definitely eat that. The hot dog. Oh, with, absolutely. Uh, the, the, what is it? Lucky Charms. That's right up your street. Yeah. I was, Stop at America. No, I, I went to the baseball and half of the food has some weird cereal on top. Like, uh, they're big into Lucky Charms like we get it you think it's a good cereal that's fine you don't need to put it on everything oh, they just make you like you get a sugar buzz off the ones in America Man like, City women look at that that's a giant Yorkshire pudding with a chicken dinner in it now that is excellent for the, for the purposes of those that are listening uh, yeah but Erin the photos I'm just looking at this for us. right okay uh, aye we'll go back to football transfer window oh actually yeah Aberdeen have signed them. We've signed a man from America. Is that like the man from Del Monte? Has every club signed a, a boy from America nowadays? Is that Aye, what it we're all doing? It. We started it. But Chelsea have got Dante. Chelsea have got Dante. There we go. There's a wee shout. That could be a wee song. And then when it gets set off, when it gets set off, it'll be Dante's Inferno. Is that what's oh. happening? <laughs> <laughs> you peek, you peek mm-hmm. there, you peek there that one. You yeah. peek there that one. Scott, Scott, 
That's you have to, you, you're doing absolutely nothing here to discount this uh, po- this posh uh, posh thing. That's a bit like high uh, that joke. Oh, actually, a, a actually, Florence, a Florence uh, honeymoon does for you. Actually, see though, if you want to reach the peak of your performance, then new year, new balls, new me, new you. Twenty percent off and free shipping. UK.manscaped.com. Get your lawnmower 4.0. Get your new boss for new year. Or your new bikini line. If we're going to be fair and not discriminate, you can do your bikini line. Scott? Yeah, well, I thought you'd have went with the Inferno line rather than... Oh, you don't want to be in fire. New ball, new you balls. Your... Exactly. So you, oh, okay, balls are fire. fire. You want a, you want a product that doesn't give you fire down in your balls? <laughs> you need to see a doctor for that. Apart from the fact they will make you, the balls will be on fire, but in a good way, as in they'll be looking polished and flames, flames emoji, not actual real flames. Um, so get involved. Plenty of stuff going on. We've always got a discount going. And there's also the refined cologne, which it should say Manscaped is not just for below the groin, it is for above the groin. Get some refined on you and you'll be smelling good all over. And looking good all over. Um, Celtic have signed a lot of players from Japan. A lot, a lot of Japanese players. And I've got, I've got to be honest, um, John. You're, you're really, I, I, you know, a lot of the Celtic fans are, 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 you know, because of the success that Kyogo's had in the first half of the season for them, and obviously he's been brilliant. He's been one of the best players in the league this year. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be able to replicate it again by by signing you know more players in the same league. I, I mean, I'm I'm sure they'll be fine, but I, I I think I think a lot of them are expecting. Is it, is it two more players from the Japanese league that they've signed? Three, three, three. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of them are expecting three more Kyokos, and you know that's just not going to happen. So you know, and um, interested to see how they, how how they. They go though. Um, How did Kyogo go? Go, go. go. You said go. I don't know. No. no. Well, where did that one? Where did that one? Where? I did say well Come on! I did well with the manscape tag, right? I, I can't get. I can't get them. It's like the darts. You don't hit all the doubles. I'm like, I'm like Josh. So I'm always a wee bit suspect when you go to the same market too many times. You know, you look at Rangers and Advocates time, and they brought a lot of Dutch players in. Rickson struggled to begin with. Um, Bert Cotterman wasn't the player that was p- promised of him. It was that League Cup semi-final goal, though. Which yeah, the, yeah exactly. And, and obviously, Rickson did come good in the, in the end and things like that. So it, 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 but it's a case of not every player's going to hit, hit the targets. Um, but it'll be interesting to see just how many of them do and how they all kind of settle in and things like that. Uh, Kyogo has done fantastically well. Um they do look as if they could be the parts, but then you know you dig a wee bit deeper. You, you see some of the you know a couple of seasons ago they weren't scoring or they're not full full Japanese regular internationals. So, it, it, but then that's probably why Celtic are wanting to bring them in, or why Ange wants to bring them in because he doesn't want them too established anywhere else anyway because he can then mould them. It, it's just very interesting, very interesting. To be fair, I don't know about I don't know if it's to be fair or not because they've been very quick in this transfer window and that's 
something that Celtic never really are. But then I always think, are they being quick in this transfer window? Because they were very late in the last, or they were being very late in the last transfer window. It, it, you know, it, did they miss out? Um, or, or were they went to see how Ange got on before pressing the button? And is that kind of a bad showing on what they thought of Ange to begin with? I, I don't know. But... You know, a good thing though. Maybe they trust Ange to sign the right players as opposed to relying on some director of football. No, no, 100%. But why could they not have done that six months ago, a bit earlier? Do you know what I mean? Why did they have to kind of prove themselves almost with Kyogo? The Celtic don't um, spend money in the, in the summer until they're out, out of the Champions League. Or and that's why I think most of the time they're out of the Champions League because they don't, because they don't speculate to accumulate. Um, so I'm very intrigued by how Celtic are going to be in the next six months. We should say Celtic have signed Dazen Maeda, Yusuke Idegechi, and Rio Hatate. And I hope I pronounce their names right. Uh, to, to, to be fair, like I, I'm actually probably quite excited. Like, I've got no vested interest in it, but I'm actually quite excited by the fact that they've decided to go to this specific market. I find that somewhat refreshing, to be brutally honest with you. It's the same way as uh, like Aberdeen have gone to the American market because they know it. I like the fact that they're, they're doing that, but not just signing random lower league English players. I'm not, not saying they're English specifically players, but players that have spent the time in English lower leagues. I find it quite I find it quite exciting. It's the same way as um, Celtic obviously signed uh, Johnny Kenny from uh, Sligo. I like the fact that they're now going back to, to to doing that. I think I said it on the very first podcast I was on that I, I don't know some of Scottish clubs don't go to Irish teams more. Uh, St. Johnston have done it a lot <laughs> with Bank clearly. Um I don't know, though. I would say, though, it's the first time I think they've probably gone to a market and gone mass-bought. But they've always went and looked at different markets in the last 10, 15 years, Celtic. They've went, they've, you know, bought Japanese players in before, they bought Asian players in before. Israel's been a market that they've used a few times. Um, a lot of kind of Eastern European countries, you know, even, you know, the Van Dyke time, they were looking at these Dutch. Aye, but teams are loading it. We're picking out players and stuff. They have, they have had a very good scouting market in the past. But as with every club uh, in world football, when you're buying players, sometimes it's just a lottery when you're buying a player, just if they're going to settle into that one club, if it's going to be the right time, everything else, but, the manager's still going to be in place. It's, you know, well, I mean, this is a market that Ange knows, though. And yeah. they're looking at Australia as well. Was it Weespeakley? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, what I meant more is this is the first time in a long time they've gone for players that. Um, don't overly have a great salon potential. I mean, none of these players that they've signed are particularly... I think one's quite young, but I think the rest of them are, are mid-20s. So unlike when they try to tap into... like, uh, If anyone watched the Africa Cup of Nations, Benyu, Hikandai Benyu was playing earlier. He was meant to be the next Scott Brown or whatever he was meant to be. They signed him young. This is the first time that they've actually gone and signed... For, the, for a long time, they've signed players that aren't young boys, effectively, with one thing that I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be quite interested to see is to, is to see how, how these, um, and I don't mean to get into the, the area of football cliches here, but um, we've talked a lot about how Kyogo has, um, you know, has, has earned a bit of a reputation for diving um, and that he struggles with the kind of physical side of the game in Scotland. And, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't watch Japanese football, um, so I don't know if it is more of a kind of more of a kind of Spanish style, more of a kind of tactical game out there where the physical stuff gets gets put as, as 
second string. And it'll be interesting to see how these um, lads uh, adapt um, to playing in Scotland, and particularly for well, for me as a Rangers fan, particularly for the for the first old fun to see. Um, you know, I, I'm assuming um, that the, the fans will be back by then, hopefully. Um, and um, I'd like to see a wee bit of a baptism of fire for um, for the, the three the three new Japanese boys. Yeah, I, th- I thought Rangers fans were experts because they've all said the signings are awful, so they must have seen them play, obviously. I think the <clears throat> what you were saying earlier on about marketing Scottish football, um, you know, um, uh, if Celtic does sign players from Japan or, or whatever, it's good, it's a good outlet for. Fucking kind of like Scottish football could sell the game overseas and you never know the game might be shown in Japan but not in Scotland but never mind that's another um give the hat sky in Japan I'm not sure um you know I so, look at sky everywhere yeah yeah if you, if you get to the cup you'll, you'll see the sky um but uh, <laughs> no I mean I mean, seriously I mean uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that the 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 three players and I think um, the the whole film, well, the, the Glasgow Derby will be a, a baptism of fire for for the three uh, Japanese uh, players as well, um, and I think like you've got to give credit to maybe Angie Angie Poskakoldovi, but because like he came in to the club and Celtic had a fire side team. Um, you know, and they bought they brought in twelve players in the short space of time. And again, like I'm hearing good vibes um about Michael Nicholson, um the the new CEO of the club is doing brilliant work and I've heard a, a few people saying that he's been getting the done uh, deals done earlier. Whereas if if it was back in the day, if it was Peter Lowell, it would say, Yeah, I'll sign him tomorrow, I'll sign him tomorrow, I'll sign him tomorrow, and then at five to twelve is like that. It went to come to Celtic. And then by that time it's a bit late. Um, you know, either way going down the road, I'm thinking of them. Um, I think it was Jackie McMahon a few years ago that uh, well more than a few years ago now that he was outside London and they got a phone call from Peter Rowell to say, You wanna come to Celtic? But what was it? It was too late. Then it was five minutes away from where where it was going. I can't remember. Can't even remember if it was Jack and my mom, uh, Jack and my mom, but it was some some kind of plan. So yeah, we'd be interested to see how how they do the the Glasgow um, kind of derby as well. I make week game as well, so it's going to be a bit weird watching a, an old firm game in the Wednesday night. Who else do we think has done good business in the Premiership in terms of transfers so far this window? We're only 10 days in, to be fair. Uh, I'd say some jo- I say good business, right? Some Johnston, we don't really know if their business has been good. I, I know Dan Clare is quite a good player. He's a really good centre-half. They've signed, obviously, the legend that is in the day's history. Um, we... The players that St Johnson have signed, we don't know if they'll be good or not. But what we do know is they've obviously panicked, and it's the first time that we really seen St Johnson effectively panic by in the window. It, it, even the summer windows, you don't really see them do a lot of business. But I think they've, they've done a fair bit. I think up until the weekend, they've signed a player every day since the window opened. Um, so I'd say they've probably—I don't know if it's good business or not—but they've done the most. 
and St Mirren might have the worst bit of business for them because it looks like Jamie McGrath is going to Aberdeen. That seems to be increasing in speculation, which if McGrath can go back to the former last season would be tremendous for Aberdeen because we missed a goal-scoring midfielder. I know Ferguson does it, but a lot of penalties as well. If we get McGrath in, that would be a good move. And allegedly there'll be a player going the other way. I don't know who, though. Maybe it'll be Conor McLennan. Mm, I think Marty Kennedy might be a shout. Or Dean Campbell. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, but but it's, it's only it's only speculation just now. But it seems to be, from what I've read online, it's pretty much a done deal. So hopefully it's not just someone stirring things. Because Dave Cormack did put a fan on a place on uh, Twitter last night and say, no, no. Terry Jenks is not going back to Aberdeen, uh, Brighton. So that was a, an interesting uh, one. Hopefully he doesn't end up with egg in his face like Kirk Broadfoot. It's always a good sign, John, uh, of stability when you've got your chin and arguing with fans on Twitter. <laughs> is, that, is that the American influence? So can you see that all the time with a certain like, uh, Fulham? Um, who's the boy that runs Fulham? Uh, oh, I'll Is he still there? No, 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 no. no. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the guy who was the Jacksonville Jaguars. His son does, does a lot of the kind of transfer stuff and things like that. Um, oh, can can uh, remember. Oh, aye, the, he's involved in wrestling. Right, well. so he likes a good bit of social media. I remember when they get not relegated and he's attacking fans. This that next thing, and or he's, he's trying to prove that his transfer business was good or whatever. And you're like, just see if you have to see if you have to do that. You're not doing your job properly because you shouldn't be worried about that. I like the fan getting told because fans are allowed to spout bullshit all the time. Is it, but is it really bullshit? He just speculated that the boy might be going back to Brighton because you know, was Newcastle in the know. People that are in the know, in the know, in the know. They're not in the know at all. Just yeah. it's, taxi driver. it's like Chinese whispers that I've told you. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, look at Akwe signing for yeah, him. You got to, as soon as he's got to then answer every single one of them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you could, we'll time your hands. Do something I, better for your football club than... Aaron maybe a, knows. Aaron knows because he, he's one of the ones that does claim to be in the know a lot. So. It's a case it's, of um, just It's on. actually a big sign of stability and a really great um, great sign of things happening at the clubs. Don't think it's embarrassing because it's not. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I always think... <laughs> It's just, Sorry, bit, I just, no, I was just, it's just always a wee bit embarrassing. I think the so. thing is, though, the thing is, though, like the Rangers, <laughs> the Rangers, the Rangers born in the Celtic board have the freedom of the the, the central belt press. Right, Aberdeen don't have that opportunity. No, but even like, when you think yeah. about Rangers back, what ten years ago, whatever, when Green got involved with Rangers and stuff like that, that was embarrassed every time. Yeah, Charles, Charles Green was embarrassing. Yeah, Charles Green was embarrassing. Spout, you know, talk sport, or the way doesn't have to be on social media. You could have your best pal working at Talk Sport and Sky Sports News and have them coming at your hospital bed and all that. That's just a fucking embarrassing. I mean, it's the same. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. I think with social media sometimes just wrap it wrap it and just carry on and do 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 your job don't worry about in the know you know in a Scottish football agent or any of that shit and just carry on uh, probably I'll end up looking like Phil and Jamie McGrath signed for like hands after he said he signed for Aberdeen <laughs> well, uh, that, that <laughs> or or Cormac will look at Phil with Brighton bring back Teddy Jenks but yeah it's just I, I don't know I, I just don't see the need for it 
Last time uh, Dave Cormack did something that some people said was embarrassing, uh, we beat Hibs and then got a point at Ibrox and then beat Hearts. So maybe... And then what happened after that? We don't talk about that. Went a break. <laughs> went a break. They went a break. They went a break. <laughs> right. We were going to talk about, about discrimination as well. We could cover some other teams, but I do want to make a point. We spoke about the Morton situation the other week, about fans getting accused of racism and... Did it happen? Did it not happen? Because there's a whole thing, or oh, if someone never heard it, that means it never happened. No fans have now been charged and banned. So, sure, I'm sure that happened. I'm sure that happened at the game that I was at. Was it the Rafe Robles game that, that happened? I'm trying not, to not the Rafe Robles game, sorry, the Air United game. Um, let me think yeah. back. However, regardless of what game it was. But if it, I never heard anything. But there was a there was a tense atmosphere that would not have surprised me in the slightest. And this is the thing: people come in and say, "Oh, I never heard it." It's like Shea Logan, and I saw a lot of the yes. you know, some of the Clyde uh, things. Oh, my son's autistic, and I never heard it. And I, I listen out for this that sort of thing. As if they've got some sort of antenna that just goes bing for any sort of racial abuse because your son's autistic. It was it's got nothing to do with the situation. It yes, was no, right, so that there, there was a tense atmosphere. It did it ran ahead afterwards, and it did. I never heard anything said at the time. It just did not surprise me that some people would go to, to that that situation. Um, and it's more than put out a statement saying that there was an alleged incident and that they rejected fans. Well, they understand that fans were rejected from the stadium and they're looking for information. I bet so, I think they've now banned some fact, they've banned two individuals, yeah. It, that's but, so and that's the thing. It's like the the Shay Logan. It's like just because you don't hear it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. What benefit is it of Shay Logan and Shay Logan's career of what he's had? Why would he give two, two fucks about Clyde in any other situation? He's not. If he's heard something, that's what he's picked up on. It's the thing that he's heard that's it rankled in his brain, not because some naff from Cumbernauld or Brotherland or wherever that the Clyde supporters from has said anything other than a racist comment. And then there was Partick Thistle fans that weren't even there saying that never happened. A Partick Thistle Ultra? Yeah, I've never seen a Partick Thistle Ultra yet. To, to, to be fair, I acknowledge, obviously, what Shadow said, but I, I think we do have to be careful on this line of I think we do have to say allegedly to prove otherwise. I understand what everyone's saying. I fully, I don't think he made it up personally. I don't really get why a footballer would. But I'm also conscious of we've stated for the better part of 45 minutes and how we don't publish, uh, make enough of the Scottish Cup like to do the FA Cup in England. And then it appears that every weekend something's happening more and more in. We have to try to find balance between trying to increase engagement in the game and calling out the idiots. And it's, the thing I, on, on that, though, that's not happening just in Scotland because in England they're talking about oh, fan behaviour in terms of we've seen uh, FA Cup objects getting thrown at uh, the Crystal Palace, Michael, Michael Alisi. Yeah, I think it's uh, not just a Scottish thing that there's a yeah. of things happening. England. I mean, we only need to look back at the Euro final and what happened sure, there. Yeah, yeah. But, but then we go further, eh? go into Europe and all the rest of it. It's a case of, so, so we don't comment on it because, what, we're scared that people are going to look at it as bad? Is that not the reason why we do comment on it? To show, well, well, well we actually... 
not compare ourselves to other countries and concentrate solely on ourselves. I, I, that's my belief. I believe that sure the racism of the red cards got most their ideas and principles are okay and, and, and correct. They are the hundred percent things you should be doing. The fact that when Town Courts said that his play was basically abused, people came out and slammed Town Courts as well as his fault for showing racism, showing a set of fans show racism on the red card T-shirt. That's the sort of thing that I think is the problem. It's the fact that we instead of standing up and saying like, no, we need to fight this disease head head on. We're more than willing quickly to be like, well, England do it, and Germany have got problems, and Spain have got problems, and Italy whistle every time someone touches the ball. That, that's irrelevant. That's not Scotland. That's what we need to, as a country, stand up and start fighting against. That's what we are trying to That's what we are trying to talk about. It's mostly, I think. Uh, See, I, I've got a real issue with this, right? Um, because uh, I, I don't know what everybody thinks here, but I think that. The taking the knee before the game has lost the message completely, um, you know, because it's still happening and not even football, but in society over, overall as well. And I mean, that in Skint Bay with the Rangers player last season, um, uh, was it Kamara in the European game? Uh, Ibrox? Yep. Check. Yep. The, the check player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in a way, I blame UEFA for that because we all go to football um, and, uh, well, the, the team that is in uh, European football anyway, and you, you, they show you a video before the game from UEFA. Uh, now, that's a waste of time, that video, to be honest with you, because UEFA is not doing anything about it. So, you know, you know, I, I think they're just maybe like ticking a box there, as, as it were, and say, yeah, but we're doing something about it. But are you really? No, you're not. You know, because it's still the same. Uh, I mean, football is meant to be, you know, like bringing everybody together and stuff like that. But it's still like dividing um, kind of like people into into kind of like wee boxes as well. I don't know if I'm uh, I'm making any sense here, but I, I guess it was all taking the neatest loss to the, the whole um, meaning about um, racism and, and football. Um, Certainly yeah. brought to debate. I think what we all probably agree on is there needs to be more action against people that are discriminating in any way, whether it's racism, disability awareness, which obviously is something you speak about at great lengths, sexism, which we had the incident at Rangers, um, and Senhouse we are, ladies, over the weekend, body yeah. shaming, and also as well, Josh, you were at the Urban Meadow game on Saturday, and you said there was a, a sending off due to a homophobic comment, I believe. Yeah, 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 allegedly, it's not the first life. time, uh, I should o- yeah, yeah, allegedly, I should also say that, that one of our players uh, was, uh, was was sent off and banned for, for several games earlier this season for using that same homophobic slur, um, so, so my, you know, my team's not innocent in that. Um, that the thing about the thing about all of this, um, is that is that I think a lot of it. So a lot of it is rooted in um, quite kind of when tensions really pour over in matches. Um, people usually men most you know most commonly men. Uh, will eventually get to a boiling point and will um, will react violently with the language uh, and the language that they, that they will select 
um, is the language that is um, designed to hurt uh, or to, to you know to, to cause the most amount of harm that they can you know they can possibly do and that's that's just the, the stage of you know what these kind of idiots that's the kind of barometer of, of, of how stupid these guys are but but more I think more more, more culturally I think there is there is space for a, for a real conversation and, and over the language that we use at football in general um, and we because we because we do use inappropriate language um, and you know, one of one of the one of the things that that I hear so I, football, it's not just it's not just homo, so you hear homophobic um, stuff all the time. Um, you hear the, the occasional uh, r- racial um, word, and and it it usually goes unchallenged, and, and I hear it all the time, and it goes unchallenged because it's a difficult environment to be the person to stand up and say, hey, "Excuse me, stop, stop that." Um, it's really difficult to do that, and 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 I don't, you know, I don't um, chin anyone for, for not, you know, having the having the balls to stand up in in in, in an environment where you're surrounded by a, a lot of testosterone, um, to turn around and, and say something. Another one, um, and I wonder if Michael can maybe speak on this, but another one is um, language that is discriminatory towards people with disabilities. Often I hear at football grounds, um, people using the M word. Um, you know, to direct abuse, and I don't know if that's something you've experienced at football, Michael. No, I, no, but like um, I haven't um, experienced people using that kind of horrible word. But I mean, it's if you want to take it back one step further, and I know this is a football podcast as well. But um, I, I mean, I'm a big advocate about going into schools and and speaking about disability and. LGBT rights and stuff like that. You might not solve it, but um, you you know you might you might get one or two people kind of like picking up on uh, you know learning from you and all that. So I mean, as far as you know, um, when when you go to adults going to football and people shouting at that, they'll never they'll never get it. They they just won't. You know. So uh, if you get them at a very at the age and learn them about disability, learn them about people wheelchairs and uh, you know all that and um, homophobic as well. Um, but no, I mean you you know obviously junior football you can maybe hear more than than as you go to the big time football at Ibrox or Parkhead. Um, one of the other things I was going to say, okay, quickly as well, was Alex Scott. Uh, she got abused a couple of weeks ago just because uh, she was presenting football focus and just because uh, she was black as well. You know, um, you know, it's brilliant to see a female getting into the men's sport. I mean, look at Scott Booth, uh, the manager of uh, Glasgow City, was it two seasons ago and, and stuff like that. And I'm sure... Like Shelly Kerr was the manager of a, a university team, and that's good to see as well. But what's not good to see is people coming on Twitter and, uh, and abusing you just because you're a different colour, you look different to your mates that go to the pub to watch the football, you know? So, something I quite enjoyed, I was reading on your website actually earlier, um, ability over disability. Um, it, it wasn't football, it was actually certainly come dancing, I should say. Um, 
because obviously it's certainly come down to, to be fair, if you're talking about more awareness, have been brilliant in terms of promoting people with disabilities as dancers. Um, but just as an example, I do sometimes see it on a Saturday night, I need to be honest with you. I mean, um, I mean, I'll be I'll be quite honest with you guys, and uh, I, I was quite kind of taken back when I saw that kind of um, dancing and script come dancing. Basically, uh, they had um, uh, an actress on it from EastEnders, and she's deaf. And the only way that she can hear the music is by well, she can't hear music at all. All, all she can hear is the vibration coming up. Um, by her by feet and legs and stuff like that and there was a bit of the music where the music just stopped for like 10 seconds or whatever and that's what she could hear and you know and I was like taken aback by that and uh, obviously she won it and she got the final and, and, and all that uh, and she done it again and that was that was still a, a kind of like mo- moving thing I mean, even on Saturday and Football Focus, that program I don't really watch that often uh, because again, Scottish football is not well promoted on that at all. Um, they had a bit about uh, I don't know when any you guys saw it, uh, about cerebral palsy uh, football, uh, the Scottish national football team. Uh, you know, and um, cerebral palsy is for people with like brain injuries and and all that kind of stuff. And that was good to see it on, on kind of like mainstream TV as well. And a big shout out. I'm I'm not doing a, a TV round here, but BT Sport done an excellent job uh, last season because they they covered the first um, disability football tournament on the TV, and it was on for like two days. And okay, it was in England, but I I don't care. I was still promoting football. But um, yeah, I mean, back to what you were saying, Josh, about half an hour ago. So the, um, you know, there's still more work to be done, and and football clubs to do more as well. I, I know that Packet Thistle has um, doing about a lot, uh, doing about a work at the moment about amputee football, um, and I think Dundee United was as well for we while as well. Uh, I'm not sure about Aberdeen um, and and stuff like that, but yeah, clubs. To follow suit and, and fans to just behave, <laughs> you know, go, go and support your team without calling them M or any other horrible names, you know, it throw a pie at them. If you know, I'm only you can make that, but that's what Stolly Albion fans did still a week, actually. Uh, but the thing is, kind of- I think, I think for a lot of this, what we need to get is more people talking about it and people who have dealt with it. You know, I think one of the biggest things. Mm. Was when Motherwell said they they weren't going to do the kneeling uh, issue, but they had their black players talking about instances that they'd gone through as footballers and on social media, on the pitch, whatever. And it was the biggest kind of eye opener you can get. And about you know, I know poor chair footballs got a wee bit of uh, exposure recently. I filmed Clyde's poor chair football team. Three years ago, you know, yeah. four years ago, they, they should have been well, well, well behind. So it's well behind the, the times for mainstream media to pick up and that sort of thing. But when I was speaking to people like Kieran, it would see when you hear somebody talk about scoring a goal that they thought they could never ever do, it just it, it opens your eyes to so much. You know, you're thinking about how can you know 
I look at the, I was writing earlier about the, the body shaming and stuff um, with the women at Stenhouse Muir ladies. And it's like, people were having a go at them for celebrating the score of the goal because they lost 14 1. You're like, well, they're part time footballers who just enjoy playing football. So they've successfully negotiated a, a tactic that's won them a, a goal, scored, they've scored a goal. And if, what they can't celebrate, they can't do it. And then people are looking, looking at them, going, "Oh well, look at this person. They, they're, they're not my idea of a footballer." You know, but you said people said that for years about Wayne Rooney. And Wayne Rooney's the top goal scorer ever for Manchester United and for England. What? But no, people Cass think Boyd. he's fat. Cass Boyd in Scotland. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's like I, I personally have never looked thin because I've got broad shoulders, because of the way I've always looked. That's, uh, you know, even at my skinniest, when I was like 11 stone, as an adult, I never looked skinny. I still looked stocky because I'm five foot 10, five foot nine, and, you know, it's just broad shoulders, kind of typical kind of Glaswegian. I mean, it's just the way I was born, you know, and that's, that's the thing, people have to appreciate other people and let them speak and actually listen to them it's it's just gets you gets you down that so many times we have to talk about it but we have to talk about it in Scottish football because it is always relevant because every time it happens we should talk about it call these people out and show that it's not what we want in Scottish football the, the positives we have the positives yeah. we have seen on social media in terms of more so the Stenhouse we're in than, than the Shea Logan one because Shea Logan supposedly deserves it because of the type of character he is. That's what you see a lot. Or he's made it up. Which is the But the positives have been as a result of the Rangers and Elsewhere um, game. Most people online have said, right, that's a ridiculous thing. Remove that comment, as opposed to not believing that the comment was made. Uh, so is that more? Positives. Is that uh, more because? Women's football is seen a bit differently from men's football. It's a bit more, um, it's, it's newer, but it also seems to be more, more, forward, more forward thinking. And because because the, the main participants respect each other, I think, well, in terms of those that run clubs, those that own, uh, those that play, those that um, support the teams and stuff like that. I think, you know, that's something that, that could be something that, to learn from women's football. Probably, yeah, 100%. You know, I, I think we should be, I think, too many of the morons in Scottish football, it's because they've been drip-fed drip as kids from mm-hmm. the, from their parents and grandparents yeah. and everything's from 1920s or whatever onwards. That's, yep. why, that's why it's so important to go on to schools as well. But um, sadly, in my opinion, uh, that boat has sailed and never came back. You know, um, if we were going into the schools, why not go on in the 70s or 80s or whatever? Because it's like, I mean, I can only speak about disabled uh, people with a disability and, you know, um, try to keep this like heart. Yes, I can as a football podcast, but people's get this assumption. Even Kyle is saying that, well, Kyle can't be a journalist because he's in a wheelchair or, or whatever. Well, why not? You know, um, you know, and obviously you, you could say the same about me. They I've got several palsy. Well, Michael can't um, do because uh, I, I did um, some work for uh, reporting Scotland last week and and stuff. And people would be like, "Well, how how can he? He's disabled, you know." And, but 
but that's discriminating right there, you know, uh, uh, as well. And it's the same with, um, you know, b b black players or um, ho homophobic football players or, or whatever. Um, it, it, sadly, it's, it's across the board, but the, the sad thing is it's ingrained in our society now and it's very bloody difficult to try and delete that out of people's um you know um dictionaries as well you know and it's too easy going to football and it's too easy saying ah yeah you know what i mean and nobody questions them on that as well you know um yeah i mean it's as a it's really a big issue and it's one that needs to be kind of like spoke about i know it's not Hey, let's speak about the subject, but it, it, it needs to be addressed in the right possible way. And that the football team should be doing more to bring everybody together because football is for like everyone, you know, it's not just for a particular um, man or woman, it's for football as we are one, basically. Uh, if you see what I mean. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm gonna stop talking there, but I, it's it's very important that subject. That's it's massively important points. Like, and I think mm -hmm. it's something we touch on regularly in terms of any discrimination that I don't know puts folk down or folk can't do this. But can't then, do that. Why should people be telling? Go back to go, can't do things. Go back to, but then go back to Josh's point. I think we can. I think we go back to what Josh was saying originally. I think we should be telling people, do you know what, act a wee bit better at football. Do you know what I mean? Even when it comes to swearing, people will be shocked because of the swearing, obviously, that I do. But see, at football, I won't be, I don't shout and swear. I don't say certain things because I know there's kids. Mm -hmm. Just because the kids aren't with me doesn't mean that I shouldn't respect the fact that these parents have brought these kids and probably don't want to hear certain words getting shouted out. You know, I mean, sometimes it's the kids doing the shouting. Don't get me wrong, but you know, but that's because they've been taught by other mm. by that that's acceptable at the grounds, which we should maybe maybe rethink. I'm I'm just going to shock people, but I'm not originally obviously from Scotland. I'm originally from Birmingham, which is obviously famous for being a lovely place. And I moved to Scotland when I was twelve years old. Um, from a I moved just just outside Glasgow Coatbridge, uh, which is obviously a lovely lovely part of the world. Uh, highly recommend a visit and from my personal experience I was detached I had no idea of the old firm or obviously I'd heard of it but I didn't have an idea of just how intense it was when I was going to school Sky, was, Sky, Sky no involved at that point then <laughs> no, I, no, I believe it was something to do with Rangers and Celtic voting against the SPL TV but um, what I found from my personal experience and Erin might know this as well coming down to the central belt is I got told a lot about sectarianism and it's a thing that I've learned over the last 20 odd years is in Scotland we are fantastic especially in the west are fantastic at drilling into people in schools that sectarian, sectarianism exists and what the words are associated to it and all that sort of stuff and how it's wrong we're told it's wrong what we're not taught in any way shape or form is how to deal with it when we hear it or how to ropes the subject and make it clear that why it's wrong. Like we get told why it's wrong, but we don't ever get that hands-on experience of how to counter it, how to stop it, how to mm. deal with it. And what I've learned over my time is that Scotland is a fantastic 
fantastic nation. The people in this country are, are phenomenal. They are probably the most welcome in the UK. They are, we've seen in the summer, we stopped two people being illegally removed from their home. Like we are as a society, a phenomenal society, but we're also absolutely fantastic at putting our head in the sand and ignoring subjects and not broaching the subjects that touch a nerve or yeah. might make people unhappy. And we are fan- world-class experts at it, to be honest, like fan- fantastic. And, this is a problem that is getting worse and worse. And we're making it, we're doing the right thing, bringing it up, but we're never ever coming to a conclusion. We're just talking about it. We never break through that glass ceiling. I mean, it's kind of weird as well. Obviously, maybe I'm going off the point here, but when somebody dies from either Celtic or Rangers, like Walter Smith, for instance, or maybe Tommy Burns a few years ago, the football community comes together and, you know, but two weeks later, back shouting at each other again, you know, and that's quite sad because it takes somebody to die for somebody to come together and say, yeah, he was a nice person, he was a good player and, and all that. And then two weeks later, you're like, yeah, get yourself to, you know what I mean? And they, they just forget about it. Obviously, that's, Taking it a bit further, but you... well, Michael, I tell you, I tell you a case in point with that because I remember saying this at the time. Everybody was going on with Walter Smith died, and everybody was going on about how really friendly him and Tommy Burns were, even as opposition managers. You know, at the time, being in opposite dugouts at uh, Ibrox and Celtic Park, and everybody said, "Oh, how great it was! What we should go back to that time." And about two or three weeks later. Van Bronckhorst and Postoglu meet each other by yeah, accident in a cafe yeah. and everybody's up in arms on both sides. Oh, how, yeah. you know, should we talk to him? Should we talk? What are you talking about? You just said how lovely it was for Walter Smith and Tommy Burns. We should go back to that kind of day. And then suddenly these two guys just bump into each other in a cafe, cordially sit down and, you know, exchange, you know, pleasantries for about 10 minutes supposedly and then that's it and everybody's mm-hmm. you know not everybody but lots of people take it the wrong way and you're like that's the thing we have this that, that sort of stupidity in the bud but mm. I, yeah, listen if I had the answers I would give them but obviously that's probably for smarter people than me Aye, the problem is the, the so-called smarter people are running our game and not doing enough about these things yeah, supposedly <laughs> yeah um, I want to come back to Aaron because Jeff made a point about sectarianism, Edinburgh is not really a thing, is it really? Anyone no, we... but yeah. having been in Aberdeen, and obviously you hear about it, and you know it's a thing, and you hear stuff that's sung there. I didn't realise how moved to Central Belt it is still really, really bad, um, unfortunately. And, you know, I'm not sure what you do about that, because I think it is probably just always going to be there because there are sadly people who have those views and the problem is those people have children I saw someone post I'll try and find out who it was um, and they posted a picture of themselves they were about five years old and they were wearing an orange sash and they said what they'd been singing and they said I didn't know what it meant but that's just what you did and they basically said that they've you know grown up now changed but that was just what they were taught when they were younger and that's what their family did and you know, I think it is really sad when you see kids of that kind of age in an environment that they shouldn't be in because it's quite hard to get out of that. And a lot of it is ingrained in football and I don't think it is getting any better, not really. It's the same discussion as I think people have been having about well, racism, for example, since 
time began. Never mind just football society. Time began yeah. like it's it's been there forever. And the, the one thing I do think, and that maybe this is me being idealist, I think the younger generation are more likely to call these things out now. Now there'll still be ones that will have the views maybe of their ancestors, but I do think there is more getting done in terms of people are more likely to have a voice. We criticise social media, but social media gives a lot more mm. people a voice for a good as well as bad. So the I mean, awareness. I, I mean, I think that's what I was just going to say, and that's drawing about social media. It has its good points and its bad points, but as soon as you, you see somebody calling somebody a name on Twitter, it doesn't have to be football. It can be, you know, a celebrity. People are up in arms about it, and you can report that to the police as well, and and all that, but but yeah, it has its bad points as well, I suppose. I think the bad point is it gives people a variety. They, they do it because then people will jump on them, and that's just mm-hmm. it's the it, they crave attention. So, it, you know what I would hope things like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram would be is quicker to actually throw these people off and make it a harder system for them to then just spout absolute you know, garbage about whether it's, like, sexist or whether it's um, racist or anything else, because it's like Erin, I see Erin getting it from certain things from time to time, just because she supports, you know, nothing to do with whatever team she supports, just because she likes football. Lots of men don't like women to enjoy themselves, I've discovered on the internet. Yeah, heaven forbid we we enjoy things um, especially, and aren't in the kitchen. Especially with football, I can't remember. I interjected one of them, and I just said to the guys, "Why do you hate women?" That's 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 all I'm getting from this this one tweet that you've sent. And you, or, you or, under, at, or underrepresented groups in general, I think. But you, but you just look at you, you look at you, you then start looking at his history of his tweets, and it's just every time a woman wanted to give an opinion on football, he was jumping on top of it and said, "Oh, I have to get back to this, that, the next thing." You're like. What happened to you? What, what, what is you craving attention, or something happened to you as a kid and you, you just absolutely lost your mind? But you're, you're the problem. Nobody else here. You have to sort yourself out. And it's like you know, I've been doing football blogging and writing and stuff for for over a decade now, and the amount of women that have come into writing and who have given a whole lift to the to the the, um, the kind of sector that there is, they the, have the different focuses, you know, women going on about Italian football or Scottish football or the one specific club, whatever, and they're amazing at what they do, yet every single day you'll see them getting trolled just because of the fact that they are a woman. It's just, it's beyond belief. But coming back again to be spoke about the start of the podcast, we, we, we didn't talk about it directly, but Football, not having fans, mental health impact. There's the discrimination, mental health link as well, which obviously, if people get discriminated against, people say not nice things. Now, I grew up in a, a situation where it was with sticks and stones and all that. Well, was it sticks and stones? Names would never hurt me. Names and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt never me. Hurt me. Yeah, that's just lies. It's stupid, because um, I'm pretty sure we've all suffered in some way. Unfortunately, whether it's been sticks and hopefully not sticks and stones. Well, maybe that'd be easier than getting called names now. Who knows? I don't fancy it getting hit by a stick or a stone. But the point's the point is 
people saying things can hurt people. Like, yes. what? Just because I, you I thought, you, thought you were actually going away from it because then oh, you started saying about sticks or whatever. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because you know what I'm like. I like I digress, don't I? Like, I'm. You made it. You're making a really good point, oh, I, and then suddenly you went with sticks. I had to. Right? I had to. Like, it's, <laughs> be like, who's that guy? He doesn't make serious points. But yeah, like names do hurt people generally. Hundred percent. Um, and folk might not think it, but yeah, it can be very, very hurtful. But it doesn't add any value on your life to make these names, to make to troll people. I don't see what the, the, the value is for anybody to do it. It doesn't to but why do you have to bring down somebody else? I don't understand. It's just I think part of the social media as we said, social media is quality. However, it also it leads to a lot of these problems. And the problem is is as we've all said, right, there should be a quicker way of basically getting someone's account shut down if they're being a dickhead, basically. The problem is, is it'll take them two minutes to then go and create another one. And there's actually, I know there's occasions where people get genuinely lifted and, and done for what they say. But the problem is, um, when we're at the football and we hear these noises, we turn around to see who's done it. And there's what, there's a sea of 100 faces there. And you're like, I don't know which one it was. You can't lift 100 people <laughs> just because one person said something. And the an is, idea. Why don't we all upload our vaccine passports to social media? Because they work so well. Uh, well, I, but I think these these issues don't have any real comeback anymore. But like, the amount of people that the amount of reports this season of racism or homophobic abuse from the stands is, is, is really high. But I think that genuinely, I think there's only about four convictions, which is the, the, the rate isn't. I'm not saying it's not good enough, but there seems to be very limited punishment because it seems to be most people get into court and for whatever reason don't ever get past there. Don't get the conviction. Clubs, they, uh, clubs, we've seen it in England where a club banned two people for suspected racist abuse and they got it overturned in court because they couldn't prove it was them. And it ended up being a case of the club banned them off a different reason because obviously clubs have got the right to ban whoever they want realistically. And these are the problems. It's like we know this problem exists, but there's not any punishment realistically. I mean, one one in a hundred, I think it is at the minute, if you get charged with racially using racist abuse, it's about a one in a hundred chance of actually getting sent down, uh, not sent down, sorry, that's not convicted of it. And I'm gonna, I'd argue that's probably part of the problem. And it's a lot of the time, I think it's, you obviously get the one or two that are genuinely outright racist people and they are horrendous human beings. I think a lot of it's uh, unconscious bias. They don't realise until it's come out of their mouth just how horrendous that is. Because they use it on everyday terms, and there's no one's ever said, "What? Uh, what did you just say? That's that's outrageous." And I think that's possibly not going to say I'm not using it as an excuse, but I'd say that's possibly a bigger problem. Is it's sometimes it's completely unconscious. They say it, don't realize the connotations or whatever they've said. And I think in a lot of the cases, instead of giving them four or five year bans, put them on a re-education course, make them. Go for a week, a bit like when you get done for speeding, then you have to go for the speed awareness course, but make it more serious. Uh, and obviously, speeding is serious, uh, but make it so that, that they learn rather than just get stuck on the wrist. Yeah, because if you, if, you, if you give them a ban, then their their incident isn't oh I was wrong for doing this. Their their incident response is oh that's outrageous that I got a ban for that long for the they, they should one get word. A- they should get a ban until they've gone through that yeah. process. And then that, that, that gets the best of all. Because if, if they don't go down the process, that's fine. But then they, they, they've got the ban. If they don't want the ban, they have to go down that process and show you, sh- you show them then 
better behaviours and why it's not acceptable and stuff like that. There's a, a specific team in, in England, I can't remember who it is, and that's the kind of route that they've gone down and they've seen you know a, a lot better behaviour because of that. Yeah. Shall we move on to some positives? Is there so, any positives? No, not maybe in this subject as much, apart from the people do get re-educated and learn from mistakes and we end up with a better society. You had, um, a, you had a positive before Christmas, did you not? A COVID positive? I never had a positive, no, but I'm, most people have been affected by some kind of positive. And George Erin, the tea, Erin, positive? Erin is desperate to get her positive moment in. No, she wanted to earlier when I said about young boys and where they're from. About my flag joke. It's always every week we hear it, but do it. It's like well, Michael's not heard it. No, like comedians, like they have their wee things they always say. But well, yeah, so Michael hasn't heard it, so he'll probably enjoy it. Probably my has. one of my favorite international teams um, is Switzerland, Michael, because you know you can say what you like about them, but their flag is a big plus. Right, so let's go on to the lower league traditions anyway. Um, that would be the best. And so yep. at the turn of the year, we were losing eight five against Ali Graham. Well. Ali, Graham, we are coming for you because it's now 8-7 to Ali. So, well, it's also going to be, we're going to win this week, so that'll be all square, won't it? Well, that is the that is the plan. I mean, I'm looking at the five of you. To be fair, it's been it's been John and me. I'm just, just saying it's been us. Like, I think some of you have been involved in maybe some good scores at some point. Maybe not this season. I don't know. So, who, who do we pick out the, the, the five of you? Because there's obviously three games. Michael has to, as a guest... So no pressure, Michael, but you're in. There are plenty of teams, so I'll, I'll step out. Aye, aye. I'll do one, please, Erin, thank you. Right, so Josh and Jeff flip whatever. You're manscaped. That's one good, more. I don't want the other week. Right, Josh, right, so, right, okay. So we've got Erin, we've got Josh, and we've got Michael. Now, I'm just going purely alphabetical, so Erin, your game will be in the championship. Scott, how about you? You could assist with the games. Okay. You, if you look at League One, Jeff, you look at League Two. That sounds good. It's like a team effort. I like it. Aye. Aye. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, the championship has to be a Saturday game. So we're going to go for Dunfermline against Hamilton. Erin. Uh, Dunfermline, please. No, we, just, okay. we need to fill, fill you know not, how it works. We need I'm not finished yet. Oh, I thought you were. Dunfermline, please, to win. And I think the score will be... Oh, now Dunfermline... We've only spoken about most in the podcast how bad Dunfermline are, but Erin, you are... I think Ham- you don't, no, do you know what? Nil-nil. <laughs> there you go. Nil-nil. Oh. Nil-nil. Hamilton, awful. Dunfermline, no. Nil-nil. Right, okay. Aye, right. Uh, what that? I think Scott, are you doing the yeah, League one, one game for Michael? No, for Josh. Sorry, for Josh. So the bottom of the table clash, Josh. Uh, Dumbarton versus East Fife. Oh, oh shit! I'm just oh, it's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about these things later. Ali wanted to go first this week, but we'll just say there was a, a technical hitch with that. Um, I'm gonna go. East Fife one now. Um, no one, no one, Josh, no one, no one, yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, and my reason being that Dumbarton have just been 
terrible. Um, yeah, East Fife, I mean, East Fife haven't been any great, but, I mean, the Barton lost, the Barton shipped six goals to Falkirk, you know, so I just, yeah, I just, I've got to say, if I was picking a game to go and watch in Scottish football this weekend, it would not be that one. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm the Barton and East Fife, good clubs, good supporters, all that. The Barton's actually a, a great ground in the kind of shadow of the rock and all that. But yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be rushing across the country to go to that one. What's going to happen is you've got a metal. No one, you predicted no one, it's going to finish a 5 0 draw after you're saying it's been probably, probably. Aye, aye, right, fair enough. Me, I don't, I don't <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what did you pick for Michael in League Two? All right, because we need the points, uh, I've gone nice and easy with County Hearts compared to Mercedes. Aye, but Ali gets the same scores. That, that's a Ali gets the same, what, game. The same game. Well, yeah, well, aye, so one, one in it. So it, it's like, uh, wait, are you still going for that game? You could go for oh, that if you want. No, we'll go for we'll go for Stenhouse Beer versus Calvin Beef. <laughs> oh god. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. Calvin um, Beef from eleven points adrift at the bottom if you want to. Calvin Beef and uh Hearth, are they? Uh Stenhouse Beer. Stenhouse Beer. Um right. Um I will go two one Stenhouse Beer. Probably for 11 points of drifted ball. <laughs> right, okay. They'll be playing the league next season. Well, uh, aye, as long well as playoffs <laughs> happen and all that type of thing. So we've got Aaron that's going for Dunfermline Hamilton 0 0. Josh has gone for Dumbarton 0, East 5 1. And Michael has gone Stenhouse Muir 2, Kildon Beath 1. So let's make it 8 all. And then Ali will really be getting nervous. So. I think. Are we doing a wee right, guest special? We always do a wee few questions, don't we? Remember the, the questions. Now, we need to think of some new ones, Erin, because remember, some of yours were Christmas-related. I had Christmas-related ones, but I do have one question. Right. For Michael? It's January-related, I would say. Probably only last the month. Is that about do you vegan, have any is about New Year's... food? Is it about vegan no. food? No. Oh. Oh, right, right. Do you have any New Year's resolutions, Michael? Um... Uh... Yeah, um, uh, to exercise every morning and don't um, run away, basically. I don't, um, can I say, or can be asked in that today, get in the habit of it. But if you come back... you when it's done. Yeah, but if you come back and say to me, in two weeks, have you done it? I would say, no. <laughs> I, I think you will, Michael. I've got faith in you. After it saves me as well. Well, see if you do it for charity. You can't let the charity down. So do it for a charity and then you need to post results and all that. We're not putting any pressure on you, Michael, but mm, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I just like that Michael's kind of two where do more do more exercise, but don't run away. They're running away, yeah. a bit more exercise. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Does anyone else have any New Year's resolutions? No, don't do them, because I never stick to them, so... Ah, yeah, never stick to them. No, uh, no, no. I always say I'm going to learn a new hobby. So I've been, I think I've been saying since I was about 18, I'm going to learn guitar. I, I tried a few times, try to learn some early chords. 
did it really happen? That's maybe... a good time because don't they like he's the guy that gets the guitar out of parties anyway, so it's fine. Ah, I, 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 an off, yeah, version of Wonderwall. Oh, yeah, exactly. Are you so, saying this because Miguel's not here? I don't know if Miguel was here. He'd be gutted. No, no he does Miguel's that. Miguel's a paid. professional. He does that yeah, legitimately and gets paid for it. He doesn't just annoy people with it. Oh, no. I, if I would see the problem I've got is if I want to learn something, I want to learn something and learn it to a high ability. And I think I've maybe left it too late. No. C6 Steve did all right, didn't he? he what age was C6 Steve when he broke through? And it was 15. C6 Steve? No, he was. He was about 60 odd. No, but um, no, but um, obviously I think Scott got my joke there, but um, because he's 16, he was 15. And, uh, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, John's Gil Clinton worked that one out. But, um, it's like Josh trying to work out how the answer was 364 for the 12 days of Christmas question. Um, Scott, are you guys laughing to be nice at me, or do you know what I was meaning there? No, I, I was I was actually laughing because John was getting railed up by somebody else, Michael. So All right, okay. I to see laughing at my joke, right? Yeah, Aye, okay. I mean, so, we yeah. talk about dissimilation. Scott usually likes to call me the c-word, but it's in a a Glasgow friendly term. He, he assures me. Oh, right. yeah, so it's all right. It's all right. And Glasgow's always friendly. And in reverse, I usually blow Scott a wee kiss now and again, which he likes. Don't you? We do. Mm-hmm. He shows me like put like something horrible. I show him love. That's that's our relationship. So that's how it goes. What about favourite beverage, Michael? Are you, or are you teetotal? Well, I'm one of these boring farts. I do not drink. No. Well, what? It can still be our favourite beverage. Um, I um Pepsi Coke. You know what, which, I, one, which one? Because do you mean because it's which the, one? Pepsi yeah. Cola or Coke? Coke. Yeah, anything. I'm a, I'm, yeah, but it's weird, right? Because when you, you go out, when you go to a restaurant, they say, "Can I have Coke?" And they say, "We've only got Pepsi." And I'm the, but is that not the same thing we are just no, no no it really annoys no. me when I'm like oh can I get a Diet Coke oh it's it's Pepsi is that alright well no yeah. it's not because I'd have asked for a Pepsi wouldn't I so no it's not alright is it aye I was out yeah. what was out yesterday I asked for a what did I ask for because I wasn't drinking I asked for a Sprite or a Fanta and it didn't happen like what about the people that seem to prefer like, the council the council juice I mean the, the Aldi's own versions and stuff <laughs> it must be they must, how do they survive going out and having a meal? Do they not do it? Is that what happens? Because you, to be fair, unless I'm, they just get draft, because draft coke probably tastes the same as oh. Aldi's own. Do you know, what I mean? oh, you know what's see, so nice? I diet hate... coke in a bottle when you're out. MS Cafe, we diet coke in a bottle with a glass of ice. It's lovely. Thank you. Size of lemon. You don't offer Pepsi and MS. Do you know your own, the only problem I've got here, right? Again, referring back to being out after isolation duties and all that type of thing. Folk. Sometimes give you your mitts, your spirit and mitts, if you're that way inclined with draft mitts. No, no, thank you. I want premium mitters, I'll be honest with you. I'm quite snobby that way. Because here in the house, I'm no, I've not got a draft coke machine that I pour. So I want ginger beer for my rum, or I want ting, or I want premium, and I want it in a can or a bottle. I don't want your draft stuff. 
I'm just putting it out there. Anyone else like that? Anybody was going to offer you? Uh, yeah. I don't know. When I was younger, I'd go to clubs. It didn't really bother me. I wasn't going to. I mean, I was just. I bet Scott can die. Coke. I wasn't going to like worry about it. Forty p vodka mix on a Wednesday night. Yeah, I was like no one's like, "Oh, can I get a glass full of Coke?" <laughs> yeah, that's, that's different, man. <laughs> but you're a cocktail bar connoisseur now, Scott. You're not telling me you're taking draft mix with your spirit. No, but I, I probably don't drink spirits enough outside of home. Do you know what I mean? To really make an impact. Yeah. Have you got a draft coke machine at home? Have I got a draft coke machine at home? No. No, right, okay. Right, would you want one? No, but I, I wouldn't no, have no, I wouldn't like have I wouldn't, I wouldn't have coke with my spirits. I'd probably have a rum, I would have a ginger ale, whiskey or drink by itself. I wouldn't need a spirit. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So um oh Aaron, ask Michael how he eats his pizza, please. Get it, get have you forgotten to is that is that, is that like a New Year's resolution not to ask that anymore? No, it's a good question. Oh. So, Michael, when you get a pizza, do you eat like the nicest bit first and like all the good toppings and stuff and finish that? Or do you have the crust first so that you're left with the delicious toppings a bit that everyone likes and enjoys? Um, I, I kind of um, leave uh, the most healthiest stuff on pizza to last. But like, you know that way where you're coming up to it, you're like that, oh shit, I'm, I don't want to finish it. So you, you try and kind of like glad, glad it out as much as possible. And then like, when like you... This, like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like my life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are, are you, so you're, you're eating the normal way. You're eating the... The good stuff, the toppings, the cheese, and all that. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. Because the last, yeah. Aye, aye, yeah, and I think, I think, you. I think this is the first time Jeff heard that question because Jeff, I, I take it you eat it in the normal way and you don't go bizarre, yeah, bizarre first. Never. I knew an officer once who only ever used to eat pizza the night and fork, which was fucking weird. Oh, but, uh, that's that's uh, that's worse than. Yeah, no, that's I've not worse. That's I'm not worse than there and there and still no chats. Anyone doing it backwards? In some places, you need to eat it. With uh, in some places you need to eat it with a knife and fork. I would say. Oh yeah, Boston uh, restaurants, not Domino's. No, no, <laughs> I, I we've had this debate before. I'm eating pizza hands. I'll I'll cut it with a pizza cutter, and obviously all mm-hmm. that. But pizzas, pizza is designed to eat with your hands. Yeah. Like that, next time you're going to tell me you have a sandwich and eat your sandwich with a knife and fork. That's a place because <laughs> pizza is bread. So is are you going to, do you cut up your wee sandwich and go oh. Mm. No, but I eat the crusts first. Well, we knew that. <laughs> I, remember, I remember watching a, a documentary. It was, uh, you know, James Hewitt. You know, the guy is meant to be like Prince Harry's dad and all that nonsense. Allegedly. And, and he was going through, I think that all that nonsense kind of covered allegedly, but I mean, he drove at a McDonald's, got a McDonald's and then asked for some cutlery to have his burger and chips. And I was... That's, that's bizarre. That is bizarre behaviour. I would have thought. I would have thought that he would have gone to <laughs> Burger King, but then William's going to be the king, and Harry's not. Ah, right, that one. Oh, that was, yeah, everyone that one. Yeah. Everyone got that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bye, unfortunately, <laughs> five guys would have been more accurate. Well, there's five of us left in the podcast as Josh has gone elsewhere. So that's maybe a wrap, and that's something else you can get in these establishments. 
with a fighter. Uh, yeah, they got rid of that after the COVID, yeah, well, that COVID menu up, and then they got rid of the wraps. And Erin's going to give us a wrap next month for a Manscaped ad, which I'm looking forward to. Oh, yeah, she might do a poem. Aye, please, because we've heard about, you've told us about your son. She might do a little poem for that, so you can all look forward to it. Oh, definitely. Like balls, is balls going to be in it? I've not worked on the poem yet, but I'll, I'll put some effort into it. Right. You probably put this name to sponsor in the poem because. Oh, yeah, thanks. I wasn't. I'll, great, great tip. Thank you. No, well, to be fair, I, I did ask you earlier if you wanted a wee shot tonight of doing the manscape stuff. And no, well, I'm going to do uh, a poem. And um, we'll see what the feedback is, won't we? We will. We will. Um, so, Michael, thank you for coming on. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, and you're welcome back on the Scottish Football Food Podcast anytime you want. Yeah, I'll bring Cam Cam with me as well. Uh, no, I don't bring that for you, Lord. Does he ever pay, Jink? He says he pays, I don't believe it. That was a joke. I know, I know. No, he has a joke, that's how I'm... <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah. Uh, right, aye. Uh, we'll edit that bit out, just in case. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> we won't really, we won't really, let's go. Sky, you are like, aye, that's what we're doing here. Um, as a wrap, isn't it? No one else has got any quick fire and slow fire questions. We're done, aren't we? I've got an exclusive to kind of break. Oh, uh, oh. The reason why Josh is no longer. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to say it because I thought he might not want people to know. Are, are we doing uh, it? Are we I'll, doing I'll, this? I'm going to say it. Right, go so, for it. Oh, brilliant! Right, go for it. it. Seems to be there's a moose loose I about have his. Oh. There's a moose loose about his house, and that's why he had to, to leave. Uh-huh. I don't know if, is that a manscape yeah. ad? Is well, it, no, mouse, it, is it? it could be. It could be a manscaped uh, ad. <laughs> Josh's living room just now. I don't so. mean I don't mean to take the Mickey when I talk about that. And that is a wrap. That is, right, cheers. Thank you. Good night. Good evening. Good morning. Goodbye. <laughs>